fucking hell, mate, I'm knackered. Do you, do you want another, another highball bit of show to Um, Something like that? I, 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 I'll, I'll get this round, you can get the next one, yeah? Yeah, yeah, that's it. I'll just have a pint of Kieran. Um, it's my, my favourite uh, delicacy. Um, <laughs> just because of the fucking Kieran Cup in 2006, isn't it? Scotland's last and only piece of silverware. <laughs> yes. Um, is, uh, like, when, I, when I went to Tokyo the last time, um, I, uh, because you can't get just normal juice, it's just whatever is there, it's not like going to W Smith and buying whatever you like, it's just whatever's there. I just drank lots of Kieran all the time, so I, I do have a, an affection for it. So yeah, so a pint of Kieran will do. Yeah, okay, fair, fair enough, fair enough. I'm fucking... Oh, fucking prices! I guess, I guess that's what you uh, get when it's the uh, the bar, bar attached to the Tokyo Dome Hotel. You have kind of got a uh, bit of a captive audience. It's like it's like airports. You can charge whatever the fuck you like. Like where else are you gonna go? Yeah, I mean, after the traditional twenty um, fifth of February Tokyo Dome show, you know, this is this is it's such a big date in the calendar. You know, everyone just thinks, you know, when you think Tokyo Dome wrestling February twenty fifth. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of up there with six three ninety four really. But I mean, um, so we're just just finished uh, finished uh, watching the show live at the Tokyo Dome like um, I mean yeah I, I, w- I wouldn't say it was a uh, I wouldn't say it was like an all-timer but just like getting to be there live on the on the 25th of February is just like uh, fucking amazing so we've got these uh, spicy takes for you uh, hot off the griddle um, so this yep. is very much a sort of uh, instant reaction to uh, to the uh, 25th of February Tokyo Dome show so like um, ironically like quite uh, quite timely for us um, uh, as our episodes go but we kind of wanted to get it out pretty uh, quick after the uh, resting so like w- what we wouldn't want um, for example is to um, end up releasing this like uh, a couple of months after the show actually ended and you've kind of all forgotten about the show and you're not really uh, wanting for any more takes like uh, we-, we-, we wouldn't want to do that to you oh, no exactly <laughs> exactly um, <laughs> and, and obviously we-, we should probably mention seeing this at the start of the show we obviously also have Daniel with us as well Hello, everybody. Yeah, that's true. He's uh, he's patching in uh, via uh, Skype. I've uh, I've sent the barman a couple of thousand yen to tell me the Wi-Fi password, so we uh, should be all right. And hopefully, his broad Mancunian tones will not annoy the other bargoers uh, too much. They've uh, already already kind of uh, started to uh, stare at us with all our laptop equipment uh, set up. I don't think they're too thrilled, but uh, you know, fuck them. We're here in Tokyo Dome. It's 25th of February. Um, you know, let's uh, let's 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 do a podcast. Why the fuck not? Yeah, let's crack on this. I've got some of the noodles coming soon, so we need to get this done quite quickly. So um, uh, yeah. yeah, okay. So like uh, probably like uh, uh, 20, 30 minutes, we can probably get it done in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no problem. All right, cool. Uh, let's do it. and welcome to the first episode of the Puro Puro Podcast of the year 2020. My name, as far as the West Yorkshire Police are concerned, is George Thompson. With me, as always, David and Daniel. How are you doing, fellas? Welcome to the world of 
tomorrow. It's the year 2020, lads. Blade Runner's in the past. What oh, that's that. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I was just gonna. Um, I, I was gonna just sing goodbye, my friend. It's hard to die. When all of us are not quite, not quite as good. I was just gonna do a sort of a cabaret turn you there for my intro but you've been more topical i mean depending on when this episode comes out the uh the date is the 23rd of january 2020 as of the time of recording which means it's the perfect time for us to discuss uh, january the 4th and 5th uh, big yep. wrestling shows uh wrestle yeah. 14 um so speaking of um timeliness um i was i was um editing the last one we did before christmas and not only did we mention that how, how fucked up and slow we were putting episodes out but as well as that, I then immediately shouted out someone who has now died <laughs> in between recording and... Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what we're saying here, listeners, is if you would like anyone to die, <laughs> um, tweet at us and we will reference them in the next show and uh, hopefully do your comedy. Well, yeah, uh, pa- Patreon rewards, we'll write you a death note for $20 a month. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, speaking of wastelands, I had a look at our SoundCloud analytics today just because I was curious, and uh, <laughs> the uh, we I looked at what our top five cities were in terms of uh, of uh, plays and uh, threw up some very um, interesting statistics, shall we say? So um, first place with one thousand five hundred thirty three plays, uh, we had uh, Fremont, Nebraska, in the United States. Um, second place with nine hundred forty seven plays, we had Rosalie, Nebraska. Um, <laughs> Uh, well, third place is uh, 340, uh, 547, sorry, uh, with uh, Peterborough in the United Kingdom. Fourth place with 277 yeah. plays is Wayne, off. Nebraska. <laughs> and fifth place is good old Leeds with 241. And also in the top 10 is Omaha, Nebraska. So. Oh, what, what, hang on. Like, what? It, I don't. I mean, I really like the album Nebraska by Bruce Springsteen, but I don't know if that... What? If there is anyone from... Ne- I assume there's loads, loads of you from Nebraska listening to this based on this. Um, can yeah, I just ask, can just ask a question? Do people in your state actually eat Omaha steaks? Or is it like... Uh, is it Are they to your state as Foster's is to Australia? Oh my God, how much money could we make if we were starting selling Omaha steaks? Oh, f- literally are like big in Nebraska. That, that no. is true. Yeah, it's... It's very, it's very, very strange. Like I, I'd love to know what the our, our blend of Scottish football passer and far left political invective clearly hits in the American Midwest. So uh, that's very well, fucking weird. I, I'm going to make it my mission to put in some uh, Nebraska references to our mm. core audience. Yeah. Uh, Once we Google some, it's probably just like yeah, it's probably just like three lads who like all go. Uh, I don't know who go like the same college. who just fall asleep stoned and accidentally leave SoundCloud on every night. <laughs> Maybe it's some people who have died and then just like <laughs> with the podcast on a loop. Again, tweet us if you will. Yes, yes, uh, tweet us if you will. I mean, you know, uh, Derek Akora has since passed on, so <laughs> <laughs> we'd like to dedicate this show to uh, <laughs> great Derek Akora. To another fallen soldier. Dakota, currently in negotiations with Colin, we are to transfer his shares to the fans. <laughs> pulling out, pulling out for the fallen I mean, soldiers, I mean, Derek this actually Cora. is germane to what we're talking about because uh, Daniel and I both watched um, 
Uh, I, I don't know if Daniel was around for this bit, but uh, Dan, Daniel came round for uh, night one of uh, of Wrestle Kingdom along with some friends of ours from uh, Dundee, way up in the uh, north of Scotland, who picked uh, picked us up, uh, uh, picked him up on the way. And um, I think I don't know if it was because we were delirious through lack of sleep, uh, but our, our friend uh, pointed out to us midway through the show. I think this might be night two. Come to think of it, that Derek Akora had passed away, and we were just so tired. We thought it was the funniest thing in the world, and we're singing "Oh Derek Akora" to the tune of Seven Nation Army. <laughs> I've never heard that song. You should play it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, never forget. So, um, that's Kingdom 14. So, um, experiences watching it in the UK, if you're not aware, there was a massive time difference between the UK and Japan. Uh, this meant that night one was a 7am uh, start for us, and night two was a 5am start, which in practice for me went meant waking up at half four in order to wake various people up who were staying at, uh, staying at my house, and then to... Uh, you know, sign into New Japan World, check everything was working correctly, etc, etc, etc. Our friend Linky slept through the entirety of night two, which yeah, was which very impressive considering it was a long uh, show, but I guess that's a uh, testament to uh, how, how incredibly early the uh, start time was. But basically what we're going to do with this episode is the usual thing we do with Wrestle Kingdom. We're going to just do a quick and dirty uh, recap of it. We're not going to go through every match in the usual forensic detail that we usually do because life's too short and you know it's a, it's a two-match show. There will be way too much to get our teeth into and to be uh, honest not all of it would merit it I had a 45 minute discussion ready but the never six man <laughs> I, I was I was I was gonna say I mean let's be honest um no no Rambo so that's an hour and a half of my chat gone. yeah I mean it's it's <laughs> I mean I'm actually genuinely like when you consider like how much uh, shoehorning that there was of people onto the card in eight man tags on the uh, on the first night, which really didn't amount to anything, I, I'm very very weirded out by the fact that there were matches on a January the fourth show that were there to build a match on another show, i.e. the January the fifth show, yeah. which was very strange. It didn't quite sit right with me. But um, uh, I guess we'll start start with the pre show night one. So there was actually a dark match. Uh, which none of us will ever get to see because it was a um, the Stardom Alan Cheapshot offer exhibition match, uh, which was uh, Mayu Iwatani and Arisa Hoshiki over Hanakamura and Julia. Um, basically, the reason it's a dark match was because of uh, rights issues, apparently um, uh, TV rights. I mean, and uh, but it was basically a way for. Uh, Did they all have like their music as Led Zeppelin? This <laughs> yes, yeah, it was the knockoff version of Immigrant Song. They all got it. Um, yeah, m- yeah. M- music, music muted due to rights issues was uh, possibly the biggest heel of the uh, of the Wrestle Kingdom weekend for me. Uh, <laughs> Joshi wrestling altered due to rights issues. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, basic, basically, so basically it was just a way for Bushiroad to get uh, Stardom wrestlers on the card now that they uh, own the company. Apparently the match went down well with the live audience and it has led to uh, two of Stardom, I think maybe Stardom's two biggest ever Corican draws um, uh, in their subsequent shows, so that's, uh, that's really good. Um, that's I good. still maintain that they should have um, done the do you mind WrestleMania 30 after the Undertaker Street was broken they had a 15 woman battle royale was no, no it wasn't it wasn't a battle royale it was a one fall to a finish match yeah one fall to a finish um, they should have done that but the entire stardom roster and, and then just let them just like 42 women just battering fuck it each other I completely forgot about that you're, you're the lucky one I loved that match I mean I didn't at the time I was absolutely crestfallen I, 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 I was 
but on rewatch, I was actually. I think it's like doing that match is a type of match is a fundamentally terrible idea, but like that's probably the best possible version of it they could have done. So in that respect, well played. That was the finish where um, where AJ um, had somebody in her submission hold and she just grabbed her hand and just went like that and tapped it off their body. Goes, look, they're tapping. Go, they're tapping. That That was was very good, actually. Yeah, I think the match. I think the match got five minutes as well, which was. uh, uh, I mean, fucking off all the. sort of lack of care and attention the WWE gives women's wrestling when Ronda Rousey isn't involved. We have come quite a long way in the in the last five or so years. Um, also on the pre-show, um, one, actually one of my favourite parts of the first night, uh, Young Lions match, uh, pitting uh, Toki Makabe and Tamaki Homa, not the Young Lions, with uh, Yota Suji and Yuya Umura yeah. against uh, Hanare, who I keep wanting to call Havambe, and uh, Carl Federicks, yeah. Clark Connors and Alex Coughlin, who are... And they're all from the LA. Yeah, the Shibata lads. Um, the principal interest in this match for me was. Would you oh, like gone. Oh, I was going to say, would you like to hear my hot take about this match now, or wait? Uh, is is this the, this is your favourite match of the weekend? No, but it was better than both the IWGP and the Continental Title matches today. Uh, um, I thought it was. Yeah, I, I loved it. The the principal interest in this for me was firstly to see how many bumps uh, Makabe would take. Uh, answer one, and that was off his own move, and uh, also. Yeah. Uh, the the scuttlebutt um, going around the, um, or actually I, I say scuttlebutt is, has been confirmed by uh, both parties on Twitter that uh, Jamie Hayter and Carl Fredericks are now an item so that sh- uh, she has uh, dumped Mr Jimothy Havoc to shack up with uh, young lion Carl Fredericks and basically is Carl Fredericks the whole yeah one? yeah this is the thing basically going into the, the going one. into the show uh, no but like Carl Fredericks is like very much like my yeah 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 he, yeah we we went into the show basically I was like okay I know who Carl Fredericks is I couldn't like pick him out of a lineup with all the other LA Dojo people no. all I know is Jamie Hayter is dating him now and uh, but and basically I was like, okay I've never seen him wrestle let's see what this guy's about and as soon as he came out everyone in the room whether they're like into guys girls or whatever was just like oh look yeah. at this guy he's an absolute I- stud. <laughs> I, I I I just I just did the obligatory Google image search. I would fuck the boxes, Nick has came. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> and he has a really good drop kick as well. Like it was insanely good. <laughs> that, 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 I don't give it. I don't care if he. he just, I, I don't care about his drop kick. <laughs> you don't care if he's in the Great Cali. I don't give a as long as he's in your ring. It doesn't. I don't give a. I don't give a fuck if he's Shawn Michaels himself in the ring. I'm still gonna bang him. The um yeah and, and yeah this was the uh, this is this came after a four uh, uh, chan user who was definitely not Jimmy Havoc under an alt was uh, very annoyed at uh, at uh, Carl Fredericks uh, and Jamie Hayter being an item. So it's a, all very normal behaviour to be uh, very het up about two people that you don't know. Also love the idea of this poster saying that uh, Jimmy Havoc was the only reason Jamie Hayter was in AW. Was like hey I'm sure Jimmy Havoc has got enough back stage stroke to get his girlfriend hard. Jimmy Havoc who got choked out by a commentator at Tony Khan's birthday party he's too busy stapling shit to announcers like <laughs> and then throwing yeah. his Nokia 3310 at a wall in, in frustration <laughs> what, a, what a weekend that was um, also on the pre-show um, a match I was actually really looking forward to and really enjoyed uh, uh, Tenzan and Kojima versus uh, Nagata and Nakanishi in a 1999 yeah. offer match yeah, I, 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 it was like five minutes, but it's all you needed, really. Chris uh, Nakanishi's last ever match in the Tokyo Dome because he's retired in the like. Yeah, I, I mean, arguably should have retired years ago, but uh, um, he basically does. I think he's. I think he's. I think he's. Is, is he going to be the first wrestler ever uh, to exist whose knees have retired before he does? <laughs> Jesus Christ! I mean, yeah, you're not wrong. Um, this match was exactly what you thought it would be. It's just like uh, dads doing slow dad stuff. Dad's. It was great. 
yeah. Bouncy dads bouncing off each other. Big bag of cans of dads. <laughs> it's all you need. And uh, then we're on to the main show. Um, personal highlight of this match for me. So get a load of this fucking murderous row of people. So basically this was, uh, as well as being the um, uh, sort of, I guess, four-man mini-tournament for the IWGP and Intercontinental titles, uh, one of the other major things about Wrestle Kingdom was the Jushin uh, Liger's uh, retirement. So we had uh, a Liger match on each show. And uh, the first one was... The theme of it was really basically Liger's contemporaries and also um, yeah. uh, a guy he trained in, Ryusuke Taguchi. So uh, one of the teams was uh, Jushin Liger, uh, Tatsumi Fujinami, the great Sasuke and Tiger Mask 4, with a uh, sadly decrepit-looking El Samurai in their corner. And <laughs> God, El Samurai he was not great, uh, he? Speaking of not looking great, uh, coming out with the other team was Kuniaki Kobayashi. And, um, oh, God, it's, it's been a tough paper round for Kuniaki uh, Kobayashi uh, recently. <laughs> accompanying the aforementioned Ryusuke Taguchi and also, get a load of this, Shinjo Otani, Tatsuhito Takawa, and Naoki Sano. Phenomenal scenes. I don't care how, if this match was good or bad. I literally could not give the slightest fuck about the match. Yep. It's yep. just seeing them all in fucking... I remember, like, um, I think I think by the time this came on, my wife had to go out. So she was getting ready and stuff like that. And I was just sitting there watching this and room going... Fucking El Samurai, you got that. She's like, what is it? It's fucking El Samurai. I mean, I know he looks desiccated, but he's there. And just like, I couldn't give a fuck about it. I, I, I thought it was good. It was joyous. The uh, the thing that got me about it was um, basically no Kisano comes out, and I, I genuinely didn't realise he was still wrestling. Um, apparently, well, he's like, d- well, 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 I mean, that's a sort of gra- a somewhat grandiose term, uh, I guess. But he definitely did. But he definitely pulled out a few things yeah. that I think we were. Pretty yeah, yeah. He, he comes <laughs> out like moving very gingerly, looking like both members of the Holy Demon Army, and that's current <laughs> both members of the Holy Demon Army, yeah. and uh, we're just like. Oh fuck! This poor fucker looks like he can barely walk. So of course, the first ma- the first movie does in the match is a Tope Suicida. <laughs> well, I, I I remember that happening and just the the collective sort of gasp, stroke, like incredulous kind of like uh, uh, sort of guffaw that occurred in the room. Just like wow. Like... I, I, I'll say this for his Tope: it's better than Seth Rollins's. <laughs> well, yeah, yes, that, that's not even as a fan of Lucha. Yeah, as a lucha fan, I've got a problem with like most topes that take place outside of Mexico. Yeah, that's true. I mean, considering like the state, he also retired after this weekend as well. He was literally just uh, not retiring so he could wrestle Liger one more time. He, he topeed himself into retirement. He really did. Actually, if you want to, um, if you want to hear a bit more about Neoki Sano versus uh, J- Jushin Liger and their uh, rivalry, I would recommend listening to. I think it was episode four that we did because um, they had a match as part of the New Japan UWFI feud. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's episode four that we talk about it, but it's, it's one of that yeah. one of episodes anyway. One of my all-time all favorite matches. matches. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that was like a sort of condensed version of their greatest hits in a more shoot style way, but yeah. it's it's still really good. Their shit from nineteen eighty nine. Yeah. Do go out your way to watch it; it's very good. Well, I should have said the only way this could have been more perfect, but there's one glaring way that this could have been more perfect. Raisuke Taguchi. Um, <laughs> Don't you speak ill of the funky weapon? <laughs> funky weapon. Like I, I, I'm, I'm very high. Well, actually, no, I'm not very high on Raisuke Taguchi anymore, seeing as he's given up the fatal gimmick at Fantastic Mania. <laughs> Let it go, David. <laughs> Wrestle Kingdom, or as I call it, Fatal Taguchi, <laughs> um, is like I was so despondent. But basically, but basically, Ultimo Dragon should have been on Liger's side. Kanemoto should have been on Tani's side. It'd have been perfect. And. Uh, did you hear um, the Super J cast? One of the members of the Super J cast had a meltdown in the dome <laughs> when Taguchi won. 
and said, if I, 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 and I quote, if he fucking comes over here, I'm blowing up the building. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm just calling him a massive cunt. He likes Taguchi as well. He's a big Taguchi fan, but he's just like, you're an absolute fucking cunt. <laughs> we're, we're, we're sadly, sadly, in an interregnum after Pharaoh Taguchi, the metaphorical Hittites have come for his costume. <laughs> Speaking of uh, ancient history, um, like um, I watched a um, a match from when was it? Ninety uh, ninety, I think, the other day, and uh, it was get this, it was Ultimo Dragon as um, is it Yoshihiro? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's his first name? Yeah, Negro Casas, Blue Panther, El Hijo del Santo, uh, Gran Hamada. I think that was it, possibly one other person. Um, and uh, it was in some, like, it was in WWA, I think, which is, like, a sort of, like, third tier, uh, like, sort of, like, a lucha promotion that was kind of quite big in the early 90s. They had this big outdoor show, all of them very young, all of them just, like, flipping all over the place. It was fucking amazing. Oh, um, we need to speak about it on a, um, on a on a Mexican-Japan crossover show. We that that sounds fucking... Gr- Grand Hamada with his uh, Zimmer frame baking cookies for the uh, for the grandkids. Oh, I love P- Grand Posting Who Remembers Proper Bin Men on Memory Lane UK. <laughs> Um, oh after, after I, the sorry, it's one of our favourite running jokes is so incredible ageism towards Grand Hamada <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> Grand Naniwa as well. You know, we don't uh, don't discriminate yeah. between uh, mass wrestlers and non-mass wrestlers. Um, no. We also um, <laughs> and then we had a um, couple of very nothingy uh, eight-man tag matches: one pitting Suzuki Gun versus Los Ingobernables de Japón, and one pitting Chaos versus Bullet Club. Um, I don't really have oh, anything God, to say about either of those. It, the, the, the state of Bullet Club in on in that uh, eight-man oh, tag oh. match, by the way, Kenta, Bad Luck, Fale, Yujiro Takahashi, and Chase Owens. Well, to be fair, by the end of the weekend, by the end of New Year's Dash, who would have predicted that one of those people would be one of the most over in the company? Yeah, yeah that is true. Chase Owens, come on down. I know. <laughs> um, I know. And Yujiro Takahashi is facing... Um... Tanahashi in a, a singles match for New Japan like next week. No, no, no this is the actual thing. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. Yuji Takahashi versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. Is that the one they set? Did they set that up on that night or, or Dash? I can't. I remember. can't remember, but it's in the USA. Can you imagine turning up to Nashville and like, what's your main event? Yuji <laughs> Takahashi versus <laughs> I mean, at least when I went to see Tanahashi, it was against Marty Skull, which is you know. Like, well, look, as we all know from our holiday episode, the, not the, great, but the, the real Tokyo pimps can be found in uh, David's Hotel in Shinjuku. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, um, like, me and Yuji Takahashi up the back of Shinjuku face. <laughs> <laughs> James Mason take on survival to be a... Well, look, as... Again, uh, not the actor. As, uh, as I, Ice-T uh, so family said, Pimpin' ain't Pimpin' ain't easy, man. Pimpin' ain't Pimpin' ain't easy, man. <laughs> man, those, those eight mans were dog shit, man. Like, they were, <laughs> they were not good. They were not good. It was literally... If you're going to get people on the card, then, like, do the Rambo, Greg Kabuki can turn up, Yoshiki yeah, Fujiwara, Rambo. Scott Norton, all the lads... Yeah, Whereas yeah, yeah, Salman exactly, Hashimakoff, you know. not got a ramble run <laughs> Former IWGP uh, well, champion. Devastated. Uh, devastated. I, I am. I, I am actually going on holiday very close to his homeland uh, in June, so I'm, uh, I'm. I'll be on the lookout for him. What? 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 The mat? <laughs> yeah, yes, the mat. Because <laughs> that's where he lives, George. Nowhere else. <laughs> 
<laughs> Excellent. And uh, as as for the uh, as for the next match, um, IWGP Tag Championships, uh, Gorillas of Destiny versus Juice Robinson, David Finley. Uh, I don't know about you, David, but uh, for me and Daniel and uh, the people we're watching with, about uh, ten in our uh, new house in uh, East Leeds, this was our designated breakfast match. So I, I saw the finish. I can't remember what it was, but I'm sure it was completely fine. The fi- the, fi- the finish for me was a square sausage and a can of sugar for And you know what? So... You love to see it. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> I um, don't eat breakfast, so I was forced. I don't eat breakfast. I, I was forced to work on to watch this the last match. Time I ate breakfast was in school. I, I don't eat breakfast ever. Uh, I just I didn't for years, but that was because I was depressed and got up too late. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I, I mean, you're you're going to be shocked here, George, when I say this. I actually quite like this. Did, yeah, I, I I heard about that. You, it's you know my rampant prejudice against Juice Robinson and everything that he always claimed to. He is diametrically opposed to everything I stand for in my eyes, right? But I can't say that I... Like, if you said to me, like, a couple of days before, you're going to watch uh, The Gorillas of Destiny versus Juice Robinson and David Finley, like, I'd be like, Jesus Christ. And he said, and you're going to like it? And I'm like, no, that's not happening. I can't I can't say that I, I, I didn't like this. Um... Yeah, it's all right. Um, yeah, it's good. By Juice Robinson standards, this is six three ninety four. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 I'm fully, I'm fully turned around on, on, on Juice now. He just looks like a dickhead, like such a dick, and his music's terrible. I mean, and just oh no, no, we he, can't. Do he, this. he does, he does, but I mean, I think the thing is, is that when you when you've been C J Parker. I mean, this is th- th- this kind of like. I wish it was CG sort of Leather Daddy look is a little bit better. If he was in the ex- Extinction Rebellion, he'd be fucking cozying up to the big boss man. That is it. Yeah. fake yeah. blood at the performance center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, didn't that actually happen? There was some like like stalker who like was no 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 that wasn't fake blood he legitimately just cut him. <laughs> it was that old feces it was it wasn't good either way um the uh, the the uh, next match was a um well it says Texas death match it wasn't the, the proper uh, uh, Texas death match it was what, one of these men will be unmasked and killed <laughs> yeah, it was ring. it was that yeah. one it was basically a last man standing. Uh, for the IWGP United States Championship, uh, Lance Archer versus John Moxley. Um, I've been on record as saying I've uh, been a big fan of John Moxley in uh, in uh, New Japan. He's got this real superstar aura about him, and his his matches are very different to uh, anything that people are doing in that company at the moment. I think he had a very good G1. Uh, lots of good fresh matchups. Him versus Shingo Takagi was uh, was uh, excellent. Him versus Yano was uh, excellent for different reasons. Um, this match was completely fine. Um, the finish was very gnarly. Like Lance Archer was pissing blood out of his arm after going through the table. I think a shard of it uh, got him. I mean, I, 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 I like, uh, I, I like this match, um, and um, I, uh, I, I turn around to our mate Alex, uh, like the hipster cunt I am, and he gave me a precise look that said, "You are a hipster cunt for saying this to me." Uh, but as we were having this, I, just, as this match was going on, I just sort of turned around to him and said, "I don't suppose you've seen the uh, world class match with Killer Khan <laughs> and Terry Gordy for a mate or two, because uh, uh, of course this is this is nothing like that match." <laughs> 
Um, like, uh, and I still maintain that is the best Texas Death Match I've ever seen. It's not. It's an obvious one. It's the one everyone picks, but it's a great match. Everyone seek it out if you've not seen it. Uh, but I thought this was good. Um, I like Lance Archer. Um, at the moment, um, I think he um, is again one of those guys on the roster that does interesting um, stuff that isn't the same as everyone else. Um, you know, he makes use of his size and um, the ridiculous claw. Um, he he brings that kind of like old-fashioned kind of like um, you know um, Texas uh, tradition of the big heel chucking people around. I like it. Um, and um, I, what I liked about this match was that it felt for me like the first big match on the card, which it obviously was, but it also built nicely at the end with the crescendo of them going through the table, and that made you kind of feel like right now we're in business. Here. Yeah, but this is the thing when you're getting to the eighth match on the card, and that feels like the first big one. <laughs> well, it's Wrestle Kingdom in it, I, so that's um, what you get. I I kind of have the viewpoint now about these weapons matches, and if you're going to do a weapons match, give me something new. So, like for example, that's why I love the Medical and 34th Street match, all the Halloween matches. Although they've run that into the ground, um, and like you know, just do you remember? I don't know if you remember this. There was a they they had they once had a raw in Nashville. Oh, the uh, was this Dolph like Ziggler versus someone? Yeah, it was Damon Sander, the blue glass, the bluegrass, blue yeah, or something like that. Oh uh, yeah, stuff stuff like that. So if you're going to do matches like this, you know, give me do 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 a, an EWR and just have somebody hit over the head with like, a PlayStation or something like. That. Do you know what I mean? Like you know, do some of that. But but it's a perfectly well worked match. I enjoyed it. But you know, give me some novelty weapons. I want something that I've not seen, like off chairs and tables. Like, do you know what I mean? I've seen them on like literally every match for about fucking twenty five yeah. years. Uh, but yeah, um, that was good. I yeah, it. it was. I I think. Uh, I, I yeah I, I think Lance Archer's uh, really improved as a, a singles guy. I know I know Daniel, you're on record as a big kind of elite squad defender, but. Um, uh, yeah, I was gonna say defender. Yeah, you, you, fan, yeah, that, that, yeah, that's defender. true. But like, I think he's, um, yeah, I think he's coming to his own as a singles guy. Uh, like you say, using his size really well. His uh, match against the Osp- uh, against uh, Osprey and the G1 was really good, though. Who doesn't matches have good matches with Will Osprey? And um, uh, yeah, this was very good, though. It did sort of, um, it did puzzle me somewhat where on that on a. Uh, pair of shows where you, you couldn't find anything for, say, Tomohiro Ishii to do, um, that you would have two IWGP uh, United States Championship matches on the card. Like I don't yeah, know if we needed uh, this and uh, Moxley versus Juice, which was, I think, just skipping forward a bit, but I think that was easily the weakest of the three matches that they've had together in New Japan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, definitely. It was kind of weird to me as well that, like, that, 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 um, you know, if you're going to do the... If you're gonna do the death match, I mean, I know you know Archer. I know Archer is from Texas and all, but it's from Texas and all. Uh, but um, I, I would kind of um, have, have thought it would make more sense with the juice match, where that's like the rubber match, and you go in hard for the stipulation. It's like right, let's see who comes out on top. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, I uh, yeah, I, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was. Uh, it, it was good stuff, but. Um, yeah, yeah, it yeah. was, it was, it was, it was the best thing on the uh, card so far. But apart from probably the Young Lions match and the the Liger match for yeah. various different reasons, like not, neither was like amazing, but yeah. good for what they were. Um, and these 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 guys will have been told as well. You know, you go out there, you have a really good match, but you're not. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know. sort of almost paradoxically, like Texas Death Match, they sort of wrestle within themselves a bit. But I, I thought, I thought it was good for what it was. Yeah. It was a fun time. Um, the yep. uh, I mean, this yeah. show was really all about the last uh, three matches. So. Um, 
third from the top, yeah. uh, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Uh, the first singles match, I believe, for Hiromu Takahashi after coming back from his uh, what seemed like for a while like it was going to be a career-ending neck injury, and he was challenging for the title against uh, the aforementioned uh, Billy Osprey. So um, I I really like this. I thought it was. Um, it's not the thing is it's not a kind of wrestling I have a huge amount of uh, time for currently uh, usually especially when there's lots of different matches presented in close proximity I've said it before uh, on the podcast I absolutely cannot get through an entire PWG show uh, I can't get through an entire Fight Club Pro show because most of the matches are sort of this wham bam 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 like uh, sort of uh, flippy uh, almost like I, 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 choreographed looking stuff um, but uh I really like this that type of match in the right setting and uh, when it's done particularly well. And I think this was certainly an example of that. Some of the there was just some real cutting edge offense in that that uh, sequence when uh, Osprey went for the Sasuke special and yeah. Takahashi ducked and then hit a belly to belly and Osprey somehow flew through the ropes from the belly to belly, kept going, oh. hit the ropes and did the Sasuke special anyway. Was just that was phenomenal. Fucking hell! Fair play, lads. Like that was just a, such a incredibly high degree of difficulty on that shit yeah yeah absolutely yeah this is my match of the weekend my match of the year at the moment actually um uh, but, yeah and this yeah, is out in december so like that, it, that just shows how much uh, david liked it <laughs> yeah exactly yeah I, I thought it was an unreal match i was a bit weary i was like mm, maybe they'll foolishly i thought maybe they'll kind of keep it low keep, uh, you know keep it a bit safe yeah because, you know Nope. Nah, no, no really chance, pal. Very, very much a passing the torch moment for me. Uh, Osprey is quite clearly just a heavyweight now, and Hiromu is the new Osprey. Yeah, I, I, I loved it. Um, um, you know what? I love Shingo, but I think it. I actually think I like this better than the much heralded Shingo Osprey match from last year, the Super Juniors final, simply because I kind of feel like as much as I love Shingo. It was just this the novelty value of having Takahashi back in a, in yeah. a full you know um, uh, in, in a in a full run in a singles match was kind of um, it gave it that edge that made it this a little bit extra special you know yeah like, a bit more emotional yeah definitely yeah yeah whereas I love Shingo and Osprey but I know they're gonna give me a fucking amazing match you know of course they are like, you know I, I know these two guys are gonna give me a great match but it's that extra thing of being like oh will will Takahashi be what he was before he went away you know. Like before yeah. he got injured, and that that made it really special to me because it was it was it was really nice seeing someone who a worker who I love so much uh, just still still you know being as good after an injury. So that was really heartwarming for me. Especially when you look at like Honma. If you've ever watched yeah. any Honma matches this year, like he really should not be there. Yeah. He's clearly not the same person, and you kind of worry that like if Hiromu is ever coming back, was he going to be a Honma? Or was he going to be yeah. off Nakanishi after the neck injury as well? You even get it in football, you know, where people, you know, like, yeah. maybe tear a ligament or something, yeah. they come back, and even though they've got still got the technical ability, they don't have the physical capabilities of running as fast as they could or holding the ball yeah. whatever because of the injury. They're just not the same players they were before, so yeah. Uh, but no, he, he, he definitely looks like... Yeah, he and um, yeah. I don't think he wore it on this show, but um, uh, oh. suicidal tendencies jacket. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very good. It's such a good jacket. Now, as always, Hiromu's, Hiromu's threads were just like, oh, just amazing. All I wanted was a strong zero. <laughs> <laughs> um, D- D- David's probably still got one, maybe. I do, uh, yeah. I'm still not, I'm still not going <laughs> to Is it in your fridge with the 24 cans of iron brew? 
pretty much, yeah. Um, I know. Well, Kenny Miller's the official today, so maybe I'll crack it. Um, <laughs> Uh, excellent. Yeah. Um, the uh, yeah, I'd just like to say yeah, thank you very much to uh, our friends Linky Adam uh, for the uh, aforementioned Scottish breaks, breakfast pack, uh, which was really really what we needed as a uh, as a as a pick me up yeah. um, uh, in the middle of this show. So because uh, you know it's a, it's a bit of a marathon. Speaking of a bit of a marathon, the semi main for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship, oh, um, uh, the knife pervert Jay White with Gado attaining the title against uh, Tetsuya Naito. Um, this mostly brought me to tears. Oh, okay, so this is this. I have to. I want to speak about this right because I think this is what I'm getting to now. Is I'm, I'm not entirely as bored by Jay White as some, but neither am I convinced he's a wrestling genius like certain people seem to be. Um, I find I'm absolutely fascinated by by this because this is a case where in wrestling. Often, I, I get a very good idea about which camp I fall into on a divisive match. Now, with with this and with Jay White in general, um, I actually find myself in a rare position in the sense that I, I'm almost completely non-partisan in this, in that I just feel generally quite unaffected by him. I don't mean bored by him. I don't mean um, particularly enthused by him. I just mean I, I don't really have any investment in it either way. And I think this is really interesting because Jay White almost seems to be like a paradigm shift in which, like, people... When I see when I see people writing about him and hear people talking about him and see it on Twitter and things like that, the reaction, I'm literally... It, it, it's like people are watching two different matches. Like, there's people like you, George, who are just bored to death with this shit. And I'm genuinely seeing people say that this is one of the greatest um, um, matches that New Japan has had um, in the last 20 oh, years. I, I by no means hated all of it. I just... The, the problem with Jay White is... I, I think we talked maybe talked about this a little bit on the Christmas episode. Jay White is a, a wrestler who was really good as a young lion. And then he went away I and... I loved him. Yeah, yeah, he, he was brilliant. Um, I, saw him a, I saw him a little bit when he was on excursion, actually. And... Um, we saw him together, I think. Uh, yeah, um, was he wrestling Danny Birch or something like that? No, he was... He was... He, he was re- wrestling he who shall no longer be named in the uh, UK wrestling oh, scene yeah. that could beating the shit out of a referee there could be anyone Daniel <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, yeah, and so he's a guy who's a really good young young line, and then he came back to the company and instantly got a mega push. His first return match was uh, uh, against Tanahashi at the Dome. Uh, Jay White, I think, is a guy who can be good in uh, shorter matches. Um, I would say this about most wrestlers, actually. I think that maybe some of them would benefit, especially New Japan main eventers, from shorter matches. I really, I've, I don't miss the old G1 format in the sense that everyone got injured because they were doing nine shows in nine days, but I miss the fact that they crammed ten matches into one card, so they had to be shorter um and if you remember uh the i was trying to think if it was uh last year or the i think it might be the year before where he had um uh two matches with a carder and he had one uh, uh he might have had one at the dome or something which is like uh 15 minutes which was actually pretty good and one in the g1 which is like 27 minutes it was utter dog shit uh now uh, this was a 33 minute jay white match uh so you kind of see my problem in that i think his, his stick is like fairly decent he plays it quite well i just don't need to see it dragged out over such a long period of time yeah, I mean, the the positives that we get from this is that it was all entirely based on people going, well, this is Naito's victory, victory lap, and then getting you. Like, the Undertaker streak, sort of, you know, where you go, fuck, they're going to do this. They're, they're actually going to pin Naito, or, like, they can submit, or whatever. There was, a, there was a submission attempt when he was in the hold, 
for ages and he got to the ropes and then pulled them back into the hold. And I genuinely at that point thought, fuck, they're going to do it again. They're, they're going to fucking make Naito lose. Um, if you if you take that out, if you take that emotional investment of... And he, I don't even care, that care that much about Naito, to be fair, but um, take that emotional investment out of it, yeah, the match wasn't very good. But I think people like it purely because they were like... Well, you know, Naito might lose. See, see, from what I can, I I think it's probably because I just haven't been paying enough attention to. I'm I'm the message I'm picking up from people is that this was a match which, according to them, was a layered, detailed storytelling with numerous callbacks to previous matches and previous um, yeah. exchanges and. I mean, the way some people are talking about it, it was like it was a kind of like um you know I I, I, I kind of like. Inverted King's Road or something like I just didn't really see it, but maybe I haven't been paying attention as much, you know. I think one of the issues as well, and I never thought I'd say this. I think I need to watch English commentary for the main event <laughs> because they are so I, I, layered hmm. and callbacks and all that. When you're watching it in Japanese, you don't get any of that, and I feel that it might be worth my while watching them in English. The undercard matches is fine, but like the, the main events, I think it might be better because apparently they do a very good job oh. of. Telling these stories. I, I I decided this year to um when I, I watched them because I watched the second day and I'm um live and I fell asleep um near the end of uh, the 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 card so I decided to watch um again the next day but this time I watched it with English commentary um the English commentary is really good now yeah and also shout out to uh, my favorite English language commentator New Japan as which is of course Mr Juicy Gino Gambino for that oh, amazing God. Mark Henry esque salmon jacket that he was sporting oh you you unequivocally love to see it how, how do you besmirch a good name of Lanny Popo? <laughs> I anyone else could be your favourite New Japan commentary. I miss Lanny Popo in New Japan commentary. It was so bad. It was wonderful. Amazing. I, um, but yeah, but no, I think it, this is... It, it was, for someone who doesn't actually have that much of an emotional investment in the main events, like, you know, having these big 35-minute matches that are so dependent on you knowing everything about all the matches and you know, all the past stuff and all that, I'm like, mm, can I just watch a 10-minute bomb thing? Yeah, that, that's the thing. I, I think having callbacks doesn't necessarily mean something's good either. Like, um, if, no. if you look at the uh, the uh, a lot of the critiques of um, something like Ready Player One, where obviously they're not callbacks to stuff that happens within the film, but it's very much like, okay, you, you recognise this reference from the 80s, you recognise this reference, and then it's basically just layering all these together to the point where you're just like, so there's, there's a plot or, you know, something like that. There's very much a difference between like something like Airplane and something like, you know, like, you remember those, uh, those like disaster movie, epic movie sort of... Poseidon Adventure. Where, you know, no, but no, I mean, like, the, the film Disaster Movie, you know, the spoon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, Don't you yeah, fucking bracket Airplane with that stuff. Airplane's good. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, Airplane's really good because there's so many callbacks. It's all weaved in. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, that's true. And all that. Whereas those ones, it's just, here's a callback to Jaws. Yeah, yeah. Or, or like something like Arrested Development, which I would very much say is the King's Road of sitcoms. Like, there'll, there'll be a joke that um, references something that was last mentioned, like the previous season or something like that. <laughs> or yeah, just, like, yeah. they'll they'll reference a mu- the musical cue that ended the first episode, but you by this time you'll be on episode 38 or something like that. <laughs> Fucking love Arrested Development, yeah. so good. Um, uh, so, yeah. Um, so, I guess going into the main event of uh, Wrestle Kingdom 14, uh, part one uh this was the iwgp heavyweight 
championship match, Kazuchika Okada defeating Kota Ibushi. Um, I... Uh, just first off, I thought this was great. I really, I really, really like this match. Um, I think it's probably because these two guys are probably, I think, more interesting to me than Jay White. And uh, I, I, I know people sort of go back and forth on Naito. I really like his uh, his stuff. Um, I think his sort of uh, devil may care persona. Uh, well, not Devil May Care, actually, that sort of uh, implies a sort of a daredevil. But uh, what I mean is sort of, I, I guess, languid doesn't quite uh, mesh well with someone like Jay White, who is very methodical. Um, so uh, I much preferred Naito in uh, match two, uh, in, um, uh, in uh, night two, sorry, should I say. But um, I really liked Okada versus Ibushi. I thought that it had the usual Okada syndrome of like, OK, you could probably cut like about 10 minutes of this mat workout. But they, they yeah. layered enough yeah. interesting stuff into it uh, that I, and like the, uh, the the ending sequence, as it is in the card of matches, is always uh, very good and tense. Uh, I think one of the, whatever critiques you can make about uh, New Japan's formula, as far as big title matches, and we've certainly made uh, critiques of the length, uh, uh, not something I'm familiar with in my day to day life. Um, but um, you know, it's uh, I think when the ending sequence is something they do very very well. I think this is a, a prime example of, of that. A card in particular has got it off to a fine art. Uh, I thought this was uh, I thought this was a really good match. I don't know about you guys. I actually thought this was really disappointing. Really? Like I like I, I, I really like Okada's stuff. I've got really disillusioned to his matches of last year too, because as you say, it's just fifteen minutes of pissing about at the start. But I was like, right, it's a bushy. I love a bushy. Bushy's probably one of my favourite in ring guys, it's the dome. They'll pull it out and the bushy can force his match on Okada so we don't have fifteen minutes of pissing about. And then they had the fifteen minutes of pissing about. And then it's like, and I don't, I, I don't accept this idea that, oh, the ending stretch was incredible, so this match was great. It's not just about the last 10 minutes, it's about the whole thing. If it was a 15-minute match, 16-minute match or something, and the last 10 minutes was that, then yeah, I feel that that could have worked. But it's the fact that I've, I've you've already lost me after 10, 15 minutes, I don't care, because it's just, it's just the same stuff that he does all the time. And I don't feel that people hold Okada to the same criticism that if, say, for example, Seth Rollins or Kevin Owens or something, if they had, if every big match they had 50 minutes of working people over like this, people would absolutely put the boot into them. But because it's Japan and because it's Okada, nobody's willing to put the boot in. And I think that at this point, I'm totally sick of it. I'm totally sick of the, the 50 minutes. It's literally beyond a joke now in terms of just the 50 minutes at the start. There's no deviation ever. He never does anything different. And I was really hoping that Bushy could pull, be a mad bastard and basically pull his match out of Akada as opposed to working working in Akada's constraints. And he just worked inside Akada's constraints. The, the finish was really good. I'm not disputing that. I'm, I'm a bit, mm, about other people going, oh, it's murder of Bushy. Oh, he's got a very serious... Like, don't, fuck off. Like, it's not... Stop tra- like people. It, it, we're we're getting into territory where people are trying to put their own fantasy booking onto things. Do you know what I mean? And like people are trying to build these stories that are not necessarily there. And it's just like, especially for the dome. I think if I think I'd be a bit more favourable to this if this was just like Sakura Genesis or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it was a dome and I had such soft expectations because I know that Akada can do these big finishing stretches and Ibushi can have really interesting match layouts. For them, it just did the normal thing really disappointing me. And, yeah. Uh, the yeah. thing is, though, is that I almost feel like 
I have some sympathy for the Ikada criticisms, and I do think ultimately it's going to be probably the one thing amongst a couple of other things that, when it comes down in a few years' time, when it comes down to sort of these um, endless debates about you know where where someone like him is going to stand in the all-time list, it is going to be the thing that I think his most notable critics are going to. It's going to be the, the thing that's most prominent that they pull out about him, you know. Um, however, I do wonder how much of this is down to. I mean, I don't know how the, the booking works. I don't know how the agenting works um, in, in a company like New Japan, really. I've not read enough from actual sources close to it that aren't just, like, Westerners, you know, with conjecture. But how much input or say do you reckon someone like Ibushi has with what with the way Ibushi works and his style and his the kind of explosive, impactful style that he works? Why can't someone like him... Push stuff more in those first fifteen minutes. What 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 stops us from having a match where someone comes out and just straight up fucking tries to nail a finisher immediately on Okada? Like to yeah yeah to 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 immediately you know like a mess try and mess with that narrative and to put people on edge. You know do that get 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 a two point nine count out of it. That that imagine imagine Okada's match starting that way. Like, well, this, you know, this is an underrated quality, uh, and I, I know I mention him all the time. Yano, Yano's matches yeah, absolutely, yeah. are always, he works with people, he works within the constraints of their matches, but he foists their match on them, like people work Toriano matches. But Toriano is very inventive, he does lots of silly things and stuff like that. And he and again, like, it's just a case of you need to be on your toes in a Yano match because he can kick you in the stones and roll you up in 45 seconds. But uh, no one's ever believing that Akada, it goes back to that old, old Japan King's Road trope that nobody was ever believing anyone was winning in the first 15-20 minutes, so they didn't react. And to be honest, people were not reacting the first 15-20 minutes of this. Yeah. I, I don't think so anyway. I mean, old Japan had to uh, sort of, I guess, educate fans by having shorter matches. There's, there's exactly. one particularly yeah. ridiculous example of a show where I think the semi-main was Kenta Kabashi versus Hiroshi Hase, and it went like 39 minutes, and then the main event was a tag title match, and it went eight. And it had some big names in it as well. I think like Misawa was in it, um, and uh, you know, like it was uh, uh, Akiyama might have been. It was kind of like really shocking. But I think I think I do get what you mean about uh, a card of wrestling and a card of match. I think the only person to get him out of that zone um, in recent memory, certainly within a main event contest uh, context, is Minoru Suzuki. Um, and uh, we saw that at the uh, uh, main event of World Quest last year, which I thought was uh, one of my favorite matches of the year. Um, yeah, I would say even like Shibata and Zack Sabre Jr. and stuff like that. I thought the matches he's had with them, they were all really good. Oh yeah, Sabre is uh, is yeah. one of as well. I would say. I mean, yeah, I, think, I, I, I like. I, I don't really watch a lot of New Japan at the moment, uh, as you might be able to tell from this uh, review. But uh, so I think maybe I had a greater tolerance for it just because, um, aside from the G1, I haven't really been watching any bigger Carter uh, matches. I've not seen most of his uh, sort of uh, title defenses, so I would just be like. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I know. I know what I'm expecting yeah. with Akada. If I was watching those type of matches like uh, on a monthly basis, I probably would have less uh, time for it. But it was kind of something different from what I've been watching usually. I think this is why I not entirely flippantly and only sort of like um, um, sort of uh, mildly to sort of uh, 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 irritate people have stated on a few occasions that I feel like Okada is the best Randy Orton that you could possibly hope for. He really is, um, yeah. Yeah. In, yeah. In the sense that, yeah, it is a formula, and you know it's going to be the same every match, and there's a sense that I think, for some, that perhaps that the effort isn't there sometimes, that there is, there is a laziness. But I think the difference with Okada is that he makes me feel really, really fucking 
stupid and like a, an absolute mark, right? Because I mean, obviously I am because I love wrestling. We're all marks, but like I genuinely always I have the same opinion as you, David, when the match starts, and I, I'm rarely that interested in it. And by the end, I feel like actually, if anything, these finishing stretches that he does, as ridiculous as they are on one level, and as as you know, kind of over the top as they can be, and as just just you know beating you over the head with the same thing they can be sometimes, the same sort of emotional affect. I can't help but get caught up in them, um, and I have to say that I actually I thought the the, the finishing stretch of the this match was great. Um, I actually thought that it wasn't a card I was disappointed in this match. It was more Ibushi actually, which has been yeah. the way for a while. No, I, I, the, I can I can totally understand that. Yeah. And that's been the way for a while with Ibushi actually. I must say I'm not. I actually find that Ibushi in his own way goes through the motions these days somewhat to my liking. Um, and actually, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about the Naito match yet because we'll talk about it later. But, um, I mean, I, I didn't think I'd ever say this about a match with Naito, but if I handed out stars, you know, we're talking probably four or five, five probably, uh, for the match the next night. Um, so I actually thought Okada was excellent um, over this weekend, despite all those things, which is what makes him... Yeah, I mean, well, we did have a Bushi uh, uh, falling on his own head in his... Uh, uh, not from a move either, he kind of just went on his head. Uh, I think it was some sort of fucked up tombstone. Um, uh, the, only, the only person I've ever seen other do this is uh, Mayu Watani and Stardom managing to uh, bump on the top of her head from her own super kick. Uh, please don't do that. Ibushi falls on his head uh, often enough without doing it to himself. Yes, so will we rattle for a night two then? Yeah, about through uh, night two. Daniel, have you got, uh, got, I know you've got to shoot off in a minute. Have you got time to stick around and have a little bit of a chat about night two? I can, I can do a little bit of night two. Yeah, I, I've already told you guys what I think of the, the, of the main event. Yeah, that's so, true. Um, Let's get yeah. to uh, Tetsuya night two. Uh, uh... <laughs> <Very> <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, so... Uh, Obviously, starting with a match, we're uh, going to have a lot to say about a uh, gauntlet match for the Never Openweight Six Man Tag Team Championship, featuring. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I can't be. I can't be. I literally can't be asked to. Um, no, lads. To read all lads, these. I'm not got long. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> light, uh, light, light a candle at my vigil for the glittering title, one year title reign of Toriano Rice Kitaguchi. One year. Day, Are you? That can't yeah, be was, right. It was literally from dome to dome. That's insane, because they used to... I wonder how many times they defended them. Yeah, they changed it every show, but it's been dome to dome. Um, yeah, uh, so Toriano with the greatest never six-man title. Literally the greatest, because it literally lasted a year. D- dome to dome, or the docking, as I believe it's called. Yes. <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, uh, yeah I, I'd completely forgotten they were champions. Um, this match went uh, six minutes and eight seconds, apparently, <laughs> according to Wikipedia, which is uh, and, every, and every one of them bad. Um, yeah, um, there's five teams in this as well, so fucking hell, like uh, Evil's in this, Shingo, uh, Ishii, uh, fucking hell, I still like think uh, it's a big good as a Korokin main event. If you had, if you if you gave them an hour, if you if you gave a gauntlet an hour of eight teams or whatever. I think you could have yeah. some, uh, an excellent match, but it's just, I don't know, it just never works in this format. But I've It's, never it's mostly chaff. No, oh. absolutely not. There was a fucked up finish as well in the middle of it. So uh, let's uh, move on to stuff that's worth talking about. Um, so this was Jushin uh, Liger's oh. retirement match. Um, I, th- I think some people were 
uh, sort of a little bit aggrieved that it wasn't a singles match, but I, I totally see why they did it like this. And if you want to see Liger's uh, singles match, uh, uh, final singles match, should I say, it was against um, Takamichi Noku in his promotion, JTO, um, uh, not JOI, which is something entirely <laughs> different. But uh, if you, um, uh, I mean, I think Takamichi Noku is allowed to earn money again uh, now after his uh, his uh, public uh, penance for uh, after he was after he was uh, publicly, publicly shamed, shamed yeah. for having a, after uh, Takamichi Noku was cancelled for being a naughty boy. Um, uh, apparently that match is very good not a chance to watch it yet but apparently it's great shit uh, this was the team of Jushin Thunder Liger and Naoki Sano with uh, Yoshiaki Fujiwara uh, versus the team of Hiromu Takashi and uh, Ryu Lee who is uh, the, f- the former Dragon Lee um, so basically this is a sort of I was going to say a uh, clash of uh, uh, between two adjacent generations not really two adjacent generations more like two or three generations uh, apart but yeah. basically old versus young that's the uh, main thing um, Sano didn't do much having broken all his bones doing that <laughs> Pay on the first night. Uh, he basically just, yeah, he he yeah. played face in peril. Liger did most of the work. Um, this was this was a lot of yeah. fun. You could sense the respect for Liger that the um, uh, the younger generation had. Uh, we didn't get a formal retirement ceremony that happened at New Year's Dash uh, the, the next oh, day. I, I, I can't bring myself that, to watch yeah, it yet. Was, the whole thing was odd. seeing Hiroshi Tanahashi crying. I, I yeah. don't want to do that. They were all at it. They were all greeting, weren't they? It was like several too much. faces from the retirement ceremony. Or <laughs> oh, oh, oh. There was, yeah. I, I, the last time I've seen faces like that was in the bins at pressure. <laughs> oh, I think I've told the bin, the bin at pressure story yeah, on this podcast yeah, before. People yeah, can yeah, go yeah. back and find it. It's an Easter egg for you. Go back and find it. That, that, that's your homework. <laughs> but yeah, this is really fun. Retirement ceremony was totes of mosh. Um, yeah, really good. Uh, just yeah, just re- incredibly emotional stuff when he came out. I was like in bits when he came out. Uh, I, like, I woke up to the basically. I woke up. Yeah, I, I woke up literally like, in time to watch this in the morning, and then the next uh, uh, few days after that, I watched uh, uh, Dash as soon as um, I had time. Um, and on both occasions, I was uh, a, a a mess. Uh, to be honest, like um, there's not more anything more we can say about no. him. He's the greatest junior heavyweight of all time. He's one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. And when you think about the guys that he was in on that, that he was in the match involved with on that first night, um, and then the fact that he was in this match with um, a bunch of people from a couple of generations below him, all of whom are absolutely, genuinely, one hundred percent should be thanking him for even having a career um, in terms of his influence. Uh, like he was hanging with them perfectly well as he has been for years now in the super like uh, juniors uh, um, uh, tournaments and stuff just looking like he fitted right in and he went out on his back like proper pros do from his era and um he's just the, one Does of the greatest of all time yeah. passing the torch off <laughs> that that young up and comer yeah, I mean, he's no fucking weapon. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Taguchi was a fucking young up-and-comer compared to the other cunt in that match. Um, well, yeah, true, I think if yeah. we start talking about Liger, we're going to be uh, here time. for uh, many, uh, many uh, hours. We'll, but we'll, it was we'll do a whole it was a lovely, uh, lovely, uh, lovely uh, moment. He's uh, retired to spend more time with his copies of Razzle. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, in the budget. Uh, come over here and show Lindsay a porno collection. <laughs> 
um, yeah, yeah, re- really, really good stuff. Like, uh, would uh, thoroughly recommend it. And obviously, Takahashi and Ryu Lee are going to be uh, two of the you know, people really taking the junior heavyweight division into the uh, into the new age. But you know, the, I think Liger was uh, such a huge part of making that putting that division on the map. The fact that it was really sort of almost of equivalent uh, value of the heavyweight division in the nineties. He would have uh, matches with the IWGP heavyweight champion, like uh, the great match with Shinya Hashimoto from 1994 and it's it's 50-50 pretty much in terms of the amount of offence like Liger was just a star that transcended um, you know uh, nationality weight classes whatever you want to call it like this is this was a guy who and you know you got the sense he's had another few years left in him but he wanted to retire before his body oh, yeah. completely broke down and you have to say fair play to that because not everyone is that wise or um, has the ability to do that so yeah uh, Coming up next, uh, just to bring us all down, actually, I quite like this match. I thought it was all right. Like, um, uh, Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship, Taiji Ishimori and El Fantasmo versus uh, Rapongi 3K, um, full of Will Ospreay's Mum's Roast Dinner, uh, with uh, Rocky Romero, who apparently still wrestles sometimes. I don't know. Uh, this was this was pretty decent. I, um, I quite enjoyed right. it. Um, uh, I did yeah, enjoy, right, yeah. uh, right. actually, on Dash, the night afterwards, they brought back the the... Staple, uh, the the used it used to be the trope of the Wrestle Kingdom Junior Heavyweight Eight Man, and uh, they used to remember they used to, they had like four years in a row where they used to have just match multi mans for the Junior Heavyweight. Oh man. yes, yes, yes. They did that on New Year's Dash, and it's fucking brilliant. So yeah, uh, but yeah, it was good. Just speaking of tag matches, and before I go in in a moment, I'm I'm not gonna have a chance to say this afterwards. Um, if you the best tag match um, of of this uh, this period of shows for me and my tag match of the year so far was um, I think it was um, Evil and um, T- Shingo against uh, Ishi and um, who else was them? Goto, oh, yeah, against Ishi and Goto. That it it was really good. I mean, there's probably been like three BJW strong matches that have been uh, tag matches that have been better than that recently. I don't know. I haven't caught up on those yet. They tend to take the early early spots from tag matches of the year early on. Uh, but um, yeah, just a phenomenally good uh, tag match. Uh, so that that was actually my tag match of the week. Nothing to do with this match. We're talking More about more beef than the Omaha Beef Indoor Football Team uh, formed in May 2000 <laughs> playing Ralston Arena in Omaha, Nebraska. There we go, getting a key demographic. <laughs> <laughs> Sponsor our podcast over our stakes. That's right. I've not yeah. watched that tag match yet, but it is like number one on the to do pile. I, I I might record a cover of uh, one of the tracks from Nebraska by Bruce Springsteen <laughs> for the opening music. For, uh, yeah. If you're from Nebraska and listen to this and you'd like to choose your favourite track. <laughs> The next match was, uh, yes, uh, Rev Pro uh, British Heavyweight Championship. Um, uh, no Chris Roberts on here, which is a uh, absolutely shameful derogation of duty by uh, New Japan. Um, I don't even know if Andy... Not, not even any no, not even any Art Garfunkel? No, no, no. Or I don't know if Quilden was there. I... I... I didn't see him. He's, he's, he's probably too busy, uh, like, like pleading with referees not to sue him. Pleading with referees not to sue him. <laughs> Why? Andy Quilden. <laughs> Considering you've not been to many Rev Pro shows for years, like, your Andy Quilden impression is still so good. Uh, <laughs> how could I forget those dulcet tones? Oh man, dulcet is uh, is uh, uh, one fucking word for it. Jesus. Um, so this was <laughs> the uh, Rev Pro British Heavyweight Championship. Uh, Zack Sabre Junior defending against uh, Sonata. Uh, I wasn't expecting a huge amount from this going in, just because I think Sonata is. 
a guy who's clearly got all the tools to be great, but often flatters to deceive in singles matches, in my opinion. Um, and I certainly know a lot of uh, uh, people in Britain were sort of uh, uh, cacking their respective gussets at the uh, the possibility of Rev Pro British Heavyweight Champion uh, Seiya Sonada. Um, that didn't come to pass. Zack Sabre Jr. retained the title. I wasn't cacking my gusset. I was solely my guts. <laughs> Back to the matter of hand. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Sonada. Uh, I actually thought this is a... Uh, I didn't have very high expectations going in. I thought it was a pretty, pretty good technical match. I really, I really liked it. In doubt, stay. It's welcome. Uh, Sonada uh, kept pace with uh, Saber on the mat. Um, he's he's actually very good at that when he's not sort of plugging himself into this interminable uh, New Japan main event style. I, I thought this, I thought this was uh, was great actually. I really liked it. Yeah, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I quite liked um, Sonada just being incredibly annoyed um, every time there's that kind of counter or whatever. Yeah, it was good fun. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed this. It was one of my favourites of the, the weekend. Yeah, I like it. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I liked it. I, I, I did enjoy this, despite the fact that Sonata is the worst version of Jay White. <laughs> you, you know what? You're not exactly wrong. Also, like, uh, sh- shave that great big bushy beard. I, I, I know. Like, I don't get the Sonata thing right. I don't get it. Like, um, I don't get... I mean, I'm not going to go the, to the level I've seen some other people go to, where they say, like, you know, he's, he's outright boring. No. Uh, and, like, sort of, like... No, he's not. He's, he's just... He's not. He's fine. He's completely fine, but in a company which has like quite a lot of wrestlers who are better than just fine. Yeah, or, or at least wrestlers that are kind of shit, but in an endearing way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've like, got, they've got I mean? plenty of them. Um, yeah, that's yeah. not quite enough. <laughs> yeah. But like in this spot, he's he's you know perfectly uh, perfectly capable. I thought this was a very yeah, good match. Passable. He's passable. Yeah, but I, I enjoyed the match though. Actually, you know, I thought it was a good back and forth. It had some, um, so all the things you come to expect from uh, Zack in New Japan. Um, and um, I, 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 I enjoyed the back and forth. So I enjoyed the fact that it was a bit more um, of a kind of, um, you know, uh, inventive in terms of like the, uh, the the pins and the counters and stuff. And it was a uh, it was a nice palate cleanser for the sort of the next part. Yeah, of the show. well, Sonada being a sort of um, uh, quite disinterested looking guy who can actually really step to it when he's forced to go onto the mat does make a lot of sense when he. Consider he's a Muto trainee, so there's that. Well, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, again, if you want to go back and listen to our episodes in which we cover Muto. Yeah, episodes five and seven, I believe. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. Anyway, um, speaking of episodes, I'm going to have to drop out of this one now, fellas. Yeah, no, no, no worries. But, uh, I think the libel rate's going to decrease by at least 75%. Uh, but uh, I, I, I think so, but I'd just like to say uh, good to all our listeners in Nebraska. Uh, like uh, uh, you know, it's been great to it's great to have you here uh, and get those recommendations in for which song you would like me to cover. I will do a doll noise um, uh, like a cover version of your favorite Bruce Springsteen song from Nebraska, um, and it will only be one of the songs from Nebraska, nothing else. Uh, this will this will this will be an experiment. So as we can work out, actually, if we do have any listeners in Nebraska, whether someone's just left their SoundCloud on overnight. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So yeah, tweet the podcast. Okay. Uh, yep. Uh, have a good one, guys. Yeah, no, no worries. Bye. Uh, now that he's away, we can talk about the the real chat. Um, so, um, Liverpool winning. We can the play the forbidden music. Yeah, I, I've just read that Liverpool have now won as many games this season as Man U did when they won the league in the entirety of the 1998-99 season. Um, yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, um, next match after that was uh, from uh, across the Atlantic, from the British Heavyweight Championship to the United States Heavyweight Championship. We have the second of two John Moxley singles matches here. Uh, John Moxley defeated Juice Robinson. Uh, uh, personally, I didn't think there was a lot. I didn't think there was a lot to this. Yeah, right. We mentioned it earlier. You, you know. Yeah, we did already. mention it earlier. 
Yeah, if you if you want um, if you want a better John Moxley versus Juice Robinson match, um, I would recommend Moxley's. Uh, I can't remember which show it was, but Moxley's uh, debut match in New Japan, and then his one on the final day of the G1 uh, in 2019. Those are both much better than this. Um, so yeah, moving swiftly on, uh, a match I completely forgot was happening on this show. Um, uh, what what's that? Hiroki Goto losing a title match at the Tokyo Dome? Surely not. <laughs> it's uh, Hiroki Goto dropping the very prestigious Never Open Weight Championship to uh, Kenta. Round, it not? No, no, Goto lost the belt to Kenta. No, Kenta lost the belt to Goto. Oh, oh, fuck oh, me, man. Jesus. Sorry, I've been, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm literally reading it in front of me. I've been so conditioned, this is what it is, I've been so conditioned by Hiroki Goto losing title matches <laughs> that um, I've just looked at Hiroki Goto defeated Kenta and my brain's just not been able to process it. <laughs> right, no, Goto actually won. Yeah, yeah, Goto, like, strangely, for someone who loses all the time, he has an impeccable record of winning, like, tertiary title matches at Dome. Like, oh, he did beat Shibata that time, yeah, I guess. He yeah, he Suzuki. Did not. Yeah, he beat Suzuki as well. Like he's he's always he he brings it for these matches. Just as he never brings it for the IWGP matches. But um, <laughs> is he is he like the anti Triple H who like wins a lot but has a really bad record at WrestleMania? Yeah, he's like, he's the opposite. Yeah, yeah. Um, or he's like you know what like um, he's he's one of those cup teams that used to get in football manager. You know, you'd be like Arsenal or something like that, and then you'd play out Wickham away. Um, and then in the cup and they'd always beat you no matter what you did or who you put out they'd always beat you it just seems to be that they always just turn up at the at the opportune moment and just and just yeah, get, yeah. get the win out of nowhere um, so Divock Origi he scores important goals he exactly yeah um, he he was really good in this I really like this it's good fun yeah, I I think it was a fun match. I it got good towards the end. Uh, Kendo is clearly not the wrestler he was, no. um, which is a shame. He's uh, got <laughs> a lot of miles on the clock. Weren't uh... event, but yeah, um... yeah, yeah. That, that's true. Like, uh, I mean. I don't know, the fans, a lot of the fans seem kind of lukewarm towards him, although he's getting, like, real hill heat, possibly from uh, Noah Diehard. Speaking of which, Noah's show that they um, scheduled opposite this was a sellout. Good. I'm glad. Like, yeah. It's really I, I think they ran, it might be in Corican they ran, or, like, some other venue of that size. But, yeah, they, they counter-programmed uh, Wrestle Kingdom 14 um, and actually, <laughs> actually like, drew about 1,600 people. Yeah, I, so I they had a mad show as well. They done... They, they, they had some some daft bell on that, but yeah, they, um, really. Well, the uh, the the real mad that was happening alongside this was um, uh, Gake no Fuji Pro. David, I feel like this would be way, right up your street. Is this um, this is Joshi nonsense, isn't it? This is uh... it's yeah, it's uh, Miyako Matsumoto of uh, uh, she spent about eleven years in Ice Ribbon. Um, I'm a, she's basically a comedy wrestler. I most know her for uh, having a twenty minute Iron Man match against Emi Sakura that she lost eleven nil. Sounds glorious. Anyway, she's uh, basically, well, I think relaunched a promotion that she used to run, which is called Gaki in the Future Pro, which is sort of under the DDT banner now. And basically, what it is is just her uh, wrestling. Uh, she's done a couple, she's wrestled uh, Jiro Ikemen Kuroshio um, on the first show, and there might be another one as well, but the January 4th one was against Chris Brooks. And basically, what it is is just always a one match show, and the match will go up between like 40 and 60 minutes and it'll be it's basically wrestling interspersed with like sort of fun and games and stuff like that like sumo contests um drew parker turned up in chris brooks's corner and uh they just threw darts at his back 
Like he drawn a dartboard on his back and like they just fucking hell, big Japan will do things to a guy, won't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, if you're going to do a forty minute match, that's the way you do it. Um, are you listening, Jay White? I, I personally knew half the cunts in the front row of that Gekin Ibushi yeah. Pro show as well. <laughs> like, um, quite a lot of people I knew in the in the crowd looking various stages of absolutely fucked after have, going to Japan and, and doing nothing but going to pro shows for like two weeks. Yeah, it, it does take out you. Mad cunts. Uh, yeah, Ken, Kenta in, uh, I don't think his never open weight title reign was that great, but like no one's never open weight title reign is, is that great. Um, so uh, this was perfectly fine. It'd be interesting to see where they're going with this um, sort of, uh, it feels kind of weird that Kenta dropped the tertiary singles belt and then basically uh, got a uh, sort of big push to the uh, to the main event afterwards. I think it's an interesting, uh, I don't think the uh, thing, I don't think he, in terms of in-ring he's the best opponent for Ricarda, but um, I think the heat the matches get will be uh, will be like uh, very much off the scale and I think that'll be I think that'll be good it's only going to be interesting and in a company where the booking can get into its cycles and become a little bit stale like New Japan I think that's always to be applauded so fair play for that yeah. um, and and go to got his uh, moment uh, so that's uh, that's uh, that's really nice I'm kind of like Goto Goto is always really good in this match this is his one match a year where I, I I'm not a big Goto fan but I, I know when he got a match for like some daft title um, on the, the dome, it'll always be a cracker, and this was a cracker. I really enjoyed this. Um, he, I think he's settled into the groove of just winning the net and the never belt every year, um, from now until you no know, time in memoriam, um, at the dome, and I'm, I'm kind of not that um upset with that. Like that's it's a good role for him, but. Yeah, he's, he, yeah and and you know what he's he's 40 now that this, this probably is his level for the foreseeable future he's, he's a good wrestler who can have good matches and at the end of the day you like n- not everyone can be a main eventer you, I think the time for Goto being that has uh, passed if indeed it ever existed at all but like you, you know what he's, he's, he's good in this role and he was good here so yeah fair play to him um, uh, coming up, coming up next. Fuck me. Uh, so, oh yeah, yeah. If that, that was the thing. Like, because um, they were doing what what basically amounted to a four man tournament. So you had uh, IWGP and Intercontinental title matches on the first show, and then the winners of those would um, play off for all the marbles. And people were joking about the idea of a third place playoff in that the losers of the title matches uh, from night one should have a match, and then they actually fucking announced it. Jesus, talk about no stakes. White and a um, rotated squad. Wads. You'll have to see it. Um, they should, <laughs> well, they I mean, have wrestled this in a t-shirt. I feel that would be the most third place playoff thing ever. Yeah, and just done a load of wacky shit. That would have been uh, better than uh, than we actually got. Ah, fuck's sake. Like, the thing about the third place playoff at the World Cup is, um, I mean, it wasn't in 2018, but generally the match tends to be pretty good yeah. because the um, there's nothing to play for, so the pressure's off. It's basically an exhibition game. It doesn't necessarily mean a whole deal, but very often they'll play, as you say, the reserve players, uh, people who've got uh, something to maybe to prove to the manager and have been chomping at the bit to get on the pitch throughout the entire tournament. Maybe they haven't even played up until that point. And so generally it tends to be a good sort of, uh, a good sort of almost like a... Yeah, just a super up international friendly, yeah. really. Um, this was not that. This was really boring and shit. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Jesus Christ, it's... So I, I know we've not been, like... Um, uh, I mean, uh, you've not been especially high on Ibushi um, when we've been talking about him previously on this episode, but one thing I could not really accuse him of is being dull. I no. think it takes, like, c- quite something, like, just this really stultifying energy that Jay White brought to this match to make Kota Ibushi so uninteresting, but fucking hell, if this match didn't manage it, and it was 
25 minutes long as well. Yeah, it really does not need to be 25 minutes. Like, why are you going 25 minutes in a third place playoff? Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, yeah, get, do it. Do 12 minutes. Yeah, do 12 minutes. And... Just, just absolutely go for it. But yeah, I, I, I mean, talk about throwing Ibushi under the bus and this going on to he won the G1 and ended up going on to the Tokyo Dome. This is your G one winner. Like I, I know not every not every G one winner is going to um win the title in the main event of uh, Vessel Kingdom and nor should they, but like fucking hell, this was this is bleak. Yeah, absolutely. But the next match. Oh god. Yeah, the, the next match, David, are you ready to become Judas oh, in your mind? <laughs> this was the thing actually when um uh we uh when they did the entrances for this uh, there's an absolutely hilarious fucking um uh it's a hype video for this in which Tanahashi's got um, Jericho's I See Your Dars taking the divorce well face paint on and like uh, sort of uh, miming songs with this uh, band like I thought that was brilliant to be fair yeah that, that, that was great it was just the amount of uh, daft fun that I think this match really needed to be considering uh, the advanced uh, advanced years of these uh, of these guys and um, uh, but oh, but uh, unfortunately when Jericho came uh, came out uh, we had uh, the uh, unfortunately the uh, theme muted due to rights issues demon uh, struck again and so like very quickly muted this and just shouted at one of was like Luke get your phone out get Judas on we're doing this the way God intended oh man I, I wish that oh. just have like played you know how like um, when like in, uh, video games they, if they don't have the theme tune or whatever they'll just dub it over like Chris Jericho should have had like the, 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 the original Smackdown theme I feel that that would be his the one that sounds like everybody on the ground Will Smith is selling crack that one yeah that one <laughs> uh, that, 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 would, that, would, that would have been amazing but uh, yeah I, I actually uh, we, we showed this match uh, last weekend to my, my best mate from school who was up visiting and uh, Sarah and I really wanted to perform an experiment which was right look okay is Judas good like, is it actually a good song, or have we just all memed ourselves into liking it? And uh, he was like, "No, this actually does bang." So, um, so I'm, I'm sad to say, like, Judas slaps. What can we say? Um, this match, I I really liked it. I it was. Oh yeah, it was wonderful. I mean, Daniel hit the nail on the head in the Christmas episode. Chad Chris Jericho is doing his little Parker impression. He it. really is. He's just like Parker. it's just LA Park, and it's wonderful. I really want a Chris Jericho LA Park match now. I think that'd be great. That'd be so good. Probably some, someone's going to be mad enough to book it, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, LA Park might, might even turn up. Uh, I, uh, I would also knows? like to thank Jericho for absolutely shutting down the ceaselessly inane debate about a New Japan AEW crossover. Oh, thanks for that, yeah. And making sure he'd never get a title shot at the AEW title, because thank God, it's so tedious. It really, it really is. As we, I think we said on the Christmas episode, like DDT is a much better fit for uh, yeah. AW, but like people, I think, don't, you know, they don't know what DDT is. Yeah, they don't know what DDT is, and and furthermore, they're not interested in finding out. Yeah. I think it's more of a person. That's the other mad thing, actually. We didn't mention it. Like a January fourth Tokyo Dome show with uh, no Hiroshi Tanahashi, not even in on one of these shit ass eight man tag matches. Tag or something like that, do you know what I mean? But yes. Yeah, like I, I, I mean I guess um I guess it maybe was to drive ticket sales for uh, night two. Apparently night two didn't do as well as night one, although it still drew thirty thousand. Night one drew about forty thousand. Um m- mainly uh someone was uh saying uh, a lot of this is to do with the uh, work work culture in Japan. People like generally want to be home early on Sunday night so they can sort of prepare for work on the Monday. Get ready and for also maybe 
people at 8 p.m. And yeah, and, uh, and the uh, people not really wanting to spend money on uh, on two shows. I don't know if they'll repeat the um, two shows experiment. I mean, they got um, next year. I kind of hope they don't because I no, kind of prefer I think it being. No, I just uh, did it this year because it was a Saturday Sunday because of the double gold. Dash. Yeah, fair enough, and, and that was actually because we we got to make a really fun weekend out of it with our friends. So that was uh, that was good. Um, I and they got seventy thousand people through the door, which is obviously well more than you can fit into, into the Tokyo Dome. Um, one uh, you know one uh, in one show, but um, yeah, I think. I don't know if, how easy that would be to replicate if one of the shows was on a weeknight. Having said that, January, January the 4th is a uh, weeknight five, uh, five cents of the time. I've, uh, I've checked the maths. Uh, so, you know, who, who knows whether that, uh, that's a consideration or not. But, uh, yeah, this match was exactly what it needed to be. It was, you know, classic Tanahashi stuff. Jericho being an absolute tool. Um, call it, calling him Bakahashi is, like, the best shit insult. Yeah. Like I, I, I mean, this is something like uh, fair play to Chris Jericho because part of his um, shtick has always been like getting the names of his um, opponents wrong. Uh, Chris Benoit, Kirk Angel, and uh, so on. So it's very nice to see him. Uh, egg. <laughs> very nice to see him branching into other uh, into other languages uh, with regards to that. So uh, good on him. Um, I, I suppose uh, a few people just like there's a bit where Chris Jericho sort of flexes, showing his um, not not to not to be unkind, but dad bod and there's nothing wrong with that at the end of the day he's a 49 year old man and some of the best wrestlers of all time have had dad bods um but like you have people saying when he's like oh look at chris jericho like thinking he's like um and i was like yeah yeah I'm, like I'm, I'm sure chris jericho is aware that he's not in as good shape as hiroshi tanahashi fucking hell come on guys like he's clearly doing it for you know effect um, like he's not seriously like you know it, it's not the whole uh, Wendy Richter Rick check out these sexy legs <laughs> stuff <laughs> um, from uh, AJW but um, uh, yeah this was good I I, I loved the uh, the bit where uh, Jericho very obnoxiously played air guitar on the top rope and then hit a really shit looking high fly flow and then Tanahashi just like was right up close to the camera with this impish smile on his face <laughs> that was probably the highlight of the match for me. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed this. I thought this was um, yeah, great fun. Yeah, it was really. And the Ace of the Universe uh, tapping out to the Lion Tamer as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just a, a submission finish. You, you know, it was, I didn't expect it, but you know, it's very good. Yeah, yeah, really liked it. And uh, finally, moving on to the main event of uh, Wrestle Kingdom fourteen night two. This would be uh, the match for both belts: uh, Kazuchika Okada, the IWGP Heavyweight Champion, versus Tetsuya Naito, the IWGP Intercontinental Champion. Um, a double gold dash match, according to uh, Wikipedia, which does not sound like a real thing, but uh, nevertheless. Uh, the gold dash for a while because I know the Super G cast have been calling it that for months. Oh, is that what it's called? Really? I, I was genuinely not aware of this. Yeah, no, so it's called the, yeah, the, the, the Double Gold Dash Tournament. It, I've heard it for, what, it's like probably about at least two months. Okay, fair enough. Um, So this was... Uh, I don't think it's a card of a Naito's best match that they've had together. I think their last uh, Wrestle Kingdom main event was probably superior to this. Um, I, I'm i very glad Naito won. It was definitely the right result and... Uh, I think would have been the right result the last time they um, they main evented Wrestle Kingdom. Um, having said that, I thought this was a really good match. Uh, again, like uh, off the chart sending sequence. David, I assume you've got some of the same critiques of this match as you did with the Ibushi one. Strangely uh, enough, right? Strangely enough, y- yes. Obviously, there was the fifteen minutes at the start, <laughs> right? Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, in a lie, but I really like this. 
I, I, I actually, and they'll probably be people listening to this having an absolute aneurysm. Going, how can you like this and not like not Ricardo Abushi? Look, again, it's similar to the, the White Nigel match. It was the emotional resonance of knowing that he's finally going to get his big moment. Um, and the in the building, you could hear that, and there was things I picked up a lot more in the callbacks. I'm going for the destiny one, and it being moved, moved into the tombstone, and then him kicking out and all that. I thought it was really well done. Um, you obviously you could have trimmed about 10-15 minutes off of it, but I feel that if there was any match you weren't going to trim the 10-15 minutes off it, this probably would have been it. To be fair, and I think this would be the one match where I would have kept it. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really, really good fun. Um, and Naito winning, it was just that sort of emotional catharsis of going, I'm oh, I'm not the biggest Naito fan in the world. I don't rate him that much as you know, in-ring or anything like that. But uh, yeah, it was right and wrong, and it was a case of the way that they'd done it. It was really well done, and that Naito got his big moment as he deserved. And yeah, it, it was really good. Yeah, I, I think that's the, yeah, the the point you make about the emotional resonance of it. Um, uh, I think really hits home. Like Naito's clearly still very very over with the crowd. Um, our, our friend Linky, who had gone to the uh, the dem show the last time, he made a made a vent and say just like the absolute din of like. Um, uh, besotted uh, female fans in her section. <laughs> She's like, Naito Chad, just like the entire time. Um, like, the guy's clearly, like, got it, you know, like, um, just like a re- really charismatic motherfucker. And, um, you know, I think uh, he gets a lot of flack for sort of uh, laziness in the ring sometimes. Some of it deserved, and some of it, you know, if you're a main event in uh, a company with such a punishing uh, style, then, yeah, fair play, do take it easy on occasion. Uh, this match, I don't think he did. Did do that. I think he really put in a shift. Okada did as well. Uh, and like you say, the emotional resonance of it really made this more than the like the 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 amount that people were going absolutely batshit for the near falls uh, towards the end. Because I think even though we knew surely they're not going to put Okada over Naito at the dome for the IWGP Championship for the third time, um, I I think that Okada is good enough at drawing you in that you do end up biting on those near falls. And also he's very good at drawing you in because yeah he's Okada like he wins all the time. Why wouldn't he win this? Um, so yeah. yeah, 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 really, really good uh, capper. Um, I'm not sure about doing the Kenta ankle angle on the show as opposed. To, I think you easily could have done that at New Year's Dash. To be fair, I think like, somebody could put it really well. He did pretty much the whole promo, and the only thing he didn't do was the last two words. So you still kind of got your celebration moments. You know what I mean? Like you, you kind of went for all that, and then it. I probably wouldn't have myself, but I don't think it was especially bad, if you know what I mean. I think it got the reaction it desired. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it was it was very, it was very good. I, th- I think it did get the reaction it desired. I think the, the heat it gets on Kenta, him doing that at the Dome, rather than at New Year's Dash. I, I, I do take the point. I just think, like, seeing as everyone's got blue balls over Naito winning the belt at the Dome for so long, I think potentially let all the fans have that moment. But I can see why they did what they did. It's not particularly what I would have done, but I'd say that about Gillers book quite a lot so you know whatever um final verdict on uh wrestle kingdom 14 how does it stack up compared to other ones that you've uh, that you've seen i mean i they are very bloated i don't i don't think this was as bloated as i, I seem to remember last year i was just being miserable because it was so long and we're just like end this but it was good it's, it's a fun watch like 
I don't think I hold the match like I think people hold it in reverence as being like the, the absolute pinnacle match quality each year. I, I'm kind of coming round to it's not this, like there's going to be matches that will be better than Wrestle Kingdom, but yeah, like it's it's, a, it's still a very high bar. We we obviously need to keep ourselves in perspective when we're seeing this match is terrible. It's not terrible. It's qu- it's actually quite good, but it's, the whole point is that like you you know the criticism and stuff like that, but ultimately it's just nice to have a day. Do you know what I mean? Where you can just indulge your love. For Japanese wrestling, it's kind of it is your Christmas, really. If you're a Japanese wrestling yeah. fan, you look forward yeah. to it so much, and like, yeah, it's just it's always a good time. And especially, I think I think it would be, it would have been really good if it'd been with yourselves as well. To be fair, yeah, we, we had a well, I think it will be on a Sunday next year. So by all means, come down. We we had a we had a really nice time. Uh, yeah, just getting the getting the crew together, just uh, uh, having a good time watching the matches. Uh, as I said on the uh, Christmas episode, New Japan isn't my fam- favorite uh, promotion. I think there's quite a few which I would I have uh, more time for. But um, yeah, the, like the grandiosity and the spectacle of it all is something that you don't get from any other uh, Japanese promotion. In the same way that like you know I barely watch main roster WWE, but I'm watching the fuck out of WrestleMania. The Royal Rumble every year, you know, um, and uh, yeah, I thought this was I thought it was good. I, it's certainly not the best Wrestle Kingdom I've ever seen. I think uh, in terms of just the, um, I, I think it's maybe in a sense got user illusion syndrome in the fact that like if you take the um, obviously people will have their uh, different ideas about which these are, but if you take the best fifty percent of the tracks from User Illusion One and Two and stitch them together into one album, that is probably an all timer. Yeah. I, to be fair, I think I think that's the syndrome that New Japan suffer from all the time because now that they split up all their, you know, the new beginning in Osaka and Sapporo and stuff like that. If you took the main event matches from each of them and had them on one card, it would be an absolute stoker. But obviously, it makes business sense, you know, make to make three events, whatever, you'll get more money. So no, I don't blame them. But yeah, no, I totally. Yeah, I, I, that that's that's just the um uh I I think that's just what. Uh, the uh, issue is with wrestling really like so many companies sacrifice quality for quantity um, because of the uh, financial bottom line you see it with WWE you see it with uh, you know certain indies like uh, Progress um, ICW uh, you know uh, because the more shows you run the less care and attention you can lavish on each of them and uh, that's, that's just the way the quickie rumble is the way of the world it didn't affect my enjoyment of the uh, shows particularly and uh, to be honest having two shows did allow us to make a weekend of it uh, like like you say it's the first it was kind of sort of really doubled as a housewarming actually as well um and like having the extra bed space was nice just to say yeah yeah come down from fucking uh, dundee in your bare feet with some toblerone and um come and stay at the gaff and we'll just watch some wrestling together it's really nice um uh well, watch it watch it with our friend adam as well he's like really uh interesting because he's a wrestler yeah he's a very technical wrestler as well so he yeah yeah, yeah. He, ha- he has a good he has a good mind for the the in-ring uh, so I, I can I can totally attest, like say that yeah I, I would love to sit especially like a, a ZSG match with him that'd be so good to like just sit and watch him because yeah he has such a he has such a mind for it. Yeah, watching it through his eyes is is good. Like he's uh he 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 loves sort of um like sort of commenting on the technical aspects and also like just I think it's like Pavlovian with him. Like he'll just like say the name of the move that's just happened. Yeah. It's really cool. It's like he's got so much knowledge in his brain that like you just have to have this like sort of safety valve and it just like emits bits of it every it's so like often. It, it's like he's doing wrestling with Joe Lingo and he just keeps repeating phrases to <laughs> Yeah, or well, the owl will come and eat him. Yeah, I pretty much. Um I'm just having a look at the Wikipedia for Fantastic Mania. Do you know how long the 
the longest match in the entire tour over eight shows was. Oh, I was going to be like fucking 15 minutes or something ridiculous. Like 16 minutes. Brilliant. That that's was, what you want. That was about, yeah, it was about two or three minutes more than everything else. Um, yeah, that's what I want from my wrestling. So I'm really looking forward to actually just diving into like the Fantastic Mania and just battering for a bunch of them. Yeah, well, um, let, me know, let me know how it goes, of course. Um, so, yeah, also happening round about uh, that time, the next weekend, actually, uh, after Wrestle Kingdom, was uh, Pro Wrestling News Wrestle Queendom, which was uh, in a sort of uh, change of uh, sort of timing. Usually it's May that they uh, do it. This time it had to be January because of uh, scheduling for the uh, big Japanese imports they wanted to get, and they have a very full schedule, and this was the only weekend they can do. Uh, those imports were uh, Yuka Sakazaki and Maki Ito, from uh, Tokyo Joshi, which, as you can imagine, was uh, quite a thrill to see them. Uh, Yuka Sakazaki, of course, someone we have mentioned on uh, the podcast before as uh, part of the Puro Puro podcast, Pick of the Puro Pops. Still able to say it for the first time. <laughs> that actually wasn't surprised in. And uh, Makito, some of you might be uh, familiar with, but uh, also a very entertaining, uh, entertaining character. Um, I will... I mean... I, I thought it was a really, really fun show. I think it was the weakest of the Wrestle Queendom so far. And like I said, that's not really not a knock on the show because it was really, really good. And I had a tremendously fun time. It sort of wasn't on the scale of the first two. But what you lost in that, you got in... I mean, you, you know, David, you've been to York Hall. It's it's not exactly like a great place to watch wrestling a lot of the time. No, which is very it's very surprising because, I mean, that is the mecca really for boxing yeah. in, in the UK. Like, if you... Um, if you ever turn on UK boxing on a sort of League One yeah, level, yeah. it's at York Hall. Like it, you know, it doesn't matter. We are like you, if you're having a show in London, it's sort of fairly big, but it's not like an arena. It's York Hall, and they have some great nights in that in there. So yeah, it's very surprising that in wrestling it doesn't usually actually. Yeah, it translate that like, well if there's been like a real sort of jumping atmosphere for a show it can be really good if there's a match which has got real heat but anything yeah. less than absolutely white hot nuclear heat from the crowd and it does tend to be quite dead i think it's because it's such a large room and even the way that rev processed up and the way that eve have for wrestle queendom in the past there is still quite a lot of empty space towards the back even if you cram say if you sold like a thousand tickets there's still quite a lot of empty space, whereas this um, uh, venue uh, it was on uh, Great Portland Street, uh, sort of uh, more sort of North London. Uh, it was a smaller room. There's about, I think, about five, six hundred people there. And, but, uh, oh, Christ, it's called the uh, 259 thing. I th- it's, it's a number anyway. It's like basically whatever the um, whatever the address of the uh, the. The, the street number is um but uh, yeah it's a really nice little venue actually it's i think they're going to hold the anniversary show there as well um but yeah it was uh it was very good so in terms of um puro interest on the show uh yuka sakazaki wrestled lana austin which was a bit of bit of a sort of left field choice not that lana austin isn't isn't talented but like the um uh, it's not who I would have... Uh, well, not to say it's not who I would have picked, it's not who I would have expected them to pick, more to the point. Um, but then Lana Austin is not tied down to NXT UK, so I guess it was maybe the sense, OK, we have someone who can lose to Yuka Sakazaki. Having said that, the match ended up being a time limit draw, which I really wasn't expecting. I think it put Lana Austin over very big to have her last 15 minutes against the Tokyo Joshi champion. And she subsequently got invited to go to Japan to do like a little two-week tour and have a title shot over there, which is really cool. Um, And uh, it was, we kind of got the 
same kind of dynamic that we had, maybe to a lesser extent, but when Kagetsu came over for uh, Wrestle Queendom 2, that ent- yeah. entire weekend, she just went full Butlin's Hill in a way that she's probably not allowed to in Japan. And mm-hmm. uh, it was really, really fun. She just absolutely hammed it up. And uh, Yuka Sakazaki did... Bit like um, Kenna Kabashi in other ways. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or uh, there was a particular... Uh, Yuji Nagata Trent Seven match from one of the RPW Global War shows uh, years ago, where there was, you know, Trent does the spot where he uh, chops the, tries to chop the guy and he chops the ring post instead. And he did that, and yeah. then Nagata just pointed and laughed at him in like a comically OTT <laughs> manner. And it was really good. And yeah, Yuka Sakazaki did something very similar. She uh, let out the sort of goblin like nature of her wrestling, which is always sort of there under the surface. But she really sort of brought that to the fore, and uh, it worked really well. Uh, Makito wrestled Martina. That sounds like a the lads. Ah yes, yes indeed. That's sort of a code word. Uh, sp- speaking speaking of which, uh, um, currently at the time of recording, Sinn Fein uh, top of the uh, top of the opinion polls for the Irish general election. It's coming home. It is coming home. <laughs> Barbara San is going to be looking down from heaven. Whenever, whenever Ireland's meant to be together. Yeah, you know, we all wear the song. You can't spell Shakira without Ireland. Exactly. Um, she, she's she's on the hoof for tax evasion, isn't she? Hey, you, don't you dare disrespect our queen, Shakira and J-Lo <laughs> after their incredible performance at the Super Bowl on Sunday. Did you see the performance? No, I, I watched the first half live and then was absolutely knackered and I had work in the morning, so I just went to bed. I honestly didn't give a fuck about the football. I just wanted to see Shakira and J-Lo. Oh, no, I, I know people like that. I know people who don't give about a fuck about the football or the halftime show, but they do give a fuck about the commercials. <laughs> I will say, I was also an NFL Europe season ticket holder for several years, and I still didn't give a fuck about oh, the Super Bowl. The days, days of the Scottish Claymores. Oh, my God. I'm a, I like, uh, that's Drew why... McIntyre's bringing it back. <laughs> this, 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 well, this is it. Like, I, when I watch the Super Bowl, every time I watch it, I'm like, fuck, I miss the Claymores. Like, I've really missed the Claymores. My dad... You get this real big pang of uh, envy. My dad hates sports, right? Apart from snooker, darts, and... Oh, sorry, snooker and F1, right? He hates all other sports. And he used to have to take me every week to NFL Europe at Hamden for, like, four years. Oh, incredible. And he didn't have a fucking clue about any of the rules, even four years on. <laughs> it was just watching guys get hit and watching the cheerleaders. That was literally all he did for four years. <laughs> my, my, my parents went to uh, an American football game when they were in Kentucky, visiting some of the students they sort of put up when they are uh, over in the UK. And it was their homecoming game, which I didn't realise at the time, but they always pick really inadequate opposition so that they'll just run up like 50 points in the first oh, half. Oh, is that a job or match? It's a literal yeah, job. Yeah, 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 it genuinely is. They just, it's some some college in Bumblefuck, Wyoming that they just they just bring over to, to get absolutely squashed and then they give a run out to some of the real duffers in their uh, squad in the second half. And I, I sent my parents an article about the rules of American football beforehand and then I said to them, so did you know what was going on? And they said, no, we didn't, but there was a fight in the second half, so that was good. <laughs> um, UV did that as well. There was like a team from like Turin, like down the road or something, some amateur team that were like UV's rivals in like the fucking 1800s or something like that, and they were still going, and he invited them to play them at like last year. They've done it a couple of times, it's just like an annual thing that they do, they just absolutely cream this team like 23 now. But oh, that, they that, make loads of money because they do it away, so the UV team go to their stadium, but yeah, I love that sort of thing. 
That's pretty. That's pretty great. So yeah, go go back to the um, Makito Martina match. That was really entertaining. And the thing is about Makito is that she's really funny and her character's really funny, but she's not especially a comedy wrestler per se. If you watch her matches, they're more about her overcoming her, as Booker T once said of John Cena, <laughs> limited skills and abilities. Her matches are more about her overcoming. Overcoming the odds against sort of John Cena and no selling stuff with her uh, massive head, and um, so it was quite interesting to see her in that environment with someone like Martina, who again can really go. But I think when that match was announced, everyone expected. Uh, did did you something like? Did you see uh, Martina versus Iger from the Sendai UK show last year? Uh, I believe so. It was full of jeeps, wasn't it? Yeah, it's the ghost lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think people were expecting something like that from uh, Martina versus Makito, which is essentially what they got. And it was uh, really entertaining. And uh, uh, Ito did this promo afterwards where I, I really admired it because it was, it was clear that she had learned just enough English to tell people to go and buy her merch after the show. Yeah, it's like... Um, but people are very... Um... People, people like that. Like when I've been doing my Russian course, that like they've said that like Russians don't care if your language, if your Russian is any good. They just care that you actually bothered your ass to like learn. You know, spasiva. I mean, as we know from Twitter, Makito has an extensive vocabulary of dirty words yes. in English. I just don't know if she can string string them together into sentences. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like how when I started learning Hindi, I texted an Indian friend of mine. I was like, I started learning Hindi. Tell me all of the rude words. And uh, my favourite one is uh, Penchod, which means uh, sister fucker. Which is something you do see in a lot of uh, Indian novels, which are translated into English. But I had to be like, yeah, we we don't have an equivalent of that. Obviously, you like we can translate it, but it's just not something people say. We we do have a we do have an equivalent. It's called an Air United fan. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, uh, could have used that last week. Pro Nebraska and yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's our positionality. Um, as for the rest of the show, the, um, the Eve title match turned into a bit of a schmoz, which some people were kind of down on, and I kind of understand you people thinking that's not what they want out of a wrestling product, but it doesn't mean that the storyline where the heels goons help them out and then like a new person joins their faction and helps them win the match, it doesn't mean that's uh, inherently a bad mode of storytelling. So it, it was what it was, and like clearly the story's not over. The main was actually the tag title match which was a absolutely mad uh, three-way between the Woke Queens, the Medusa Complex, and Sammy Jane and Giselle Shaw. A uh, lot of spots. Um, Sammy got the, uh, basically got the back of her head cracked open uh, uh, pretty much by the spot, which is, you know, the Biggie Langston spear? Yes. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. No. So, yeah, imagine that, but, like, through a barbed wire table on the outside. Oh. It's not great. Um, and uh, yeah, there was some pretty gnarly hardcore shit. Like Charlie Evans got the um, uh, got the skewers in the heads, and uh, there was some other other stuff going on as well. It was kind of a mess, but in a good way. I mean, with those sort of matches, like seeing that live, that sort of like it doesn't really matter if it's much of a mess. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just about the sort of visceral. Oh yeah, it's it, yeah. Seeing and, it uh, live. There was also a rumble uh, in the opener, which was it was pretty good considering like most of the wrestlers weren't especially over because it was sort of, I think, a way to blood newcomers that they may be using in the next year because of, you know, various NXT UK-related shit. Um, it was it was, a, it was a good rumble. Uh, did they uh, do a Brian uh, Dixon and have people under masks with different gimmicks? They didn't, actually, no. They should. Um, and 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we, we absolutely should. And uh, we had Soraya Knight as the last entrant, which was kind of a pop, basically like 10 seconds like, of like, oh my God, like what a huge moment, like massive pop until you remember, oh yeah, no, she's quite problematic. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> uh, but you, you know, whatever. Um, the uh, And uh, Sarah did remark to me, uh, beforehand because we got front row tickets and she this was before the rumble got announced and she remarked to me just beforehand she was like we're front row and it's a rumble i was like yeah yeah uh i, I only got landed on once and it was it was very clear they were from the, I, I didn't mind because unlike say pastor william eva just fall away slamming a guy into the second row at progress it was very clear from the way they were falling out the ring when they got eliminated that they were trying not to land on people yes um so that a trailing leg got me in the wrist and it hurt for like a couple of minutes i genuinely didn't mind um also i should give a mention to uh north phoenix diana who's a malaysian wrestler who's the first uh wrestler to compete wearing a hijab oh very wow and she's, that'll be great she, she yeah yeah, yeah. She, she was good she's uh got some training from emi sakura so obviously she's gonna be but she's i think she's here for the next uh, few months uh training and uh, working the eve shows and uh yeah yeah she, she, she was really cool had a fantastic tope um, just absolutely. It, mu- it must be absolute... difficult to keep it on if you're doing like topes and stuff. I honestly, I mean, so, sorry, betraying my ignorance. I honestly don't know sort of the mechanics of holding. I don't think it, it wasn't like. Um, I suppose uh, it isn't uh, it quite tightly wrapped. I suppose so. It was, and it wasn't like a headscarf. There wasn't any trailing right, stuff. Yeah, it was yeah. more the sort of the hair covering more than anything. So. Yeah. Um, it was as, as you would sort of say you were a uh, Olympic swimmer and you had the bodysuit and it covered your hair. There was like a little top thing. Yeah. So it was kind of like that top part of the uh, of the bodysuit and like uh, the and well, it kind of was a bodysuit really. And the, the, like the, the her gear was absolutely incredible as well. Like um, just lots and lots of like almost sort of psychedelic colours. But yeah, uh, yeah, like good good little match that she had with uh, with uh, Zoe Lucas. And I think she, you know she's. She's a bit green, but she's only been wrestling for like 18 months, two years. And I think staying in the UK for a bit will sort of help her iron out some of those rough edges. And yeah, it was just a, it was just a really fun show. And um, and uh, the, the other thing I should mention, sorry, is the, uh, uh, the meet and greet beforehand. So I went and did the whole meet and greet gimmick and got the poster and got it uh, went around getting it signed by everyone and sort of made awkward small talk with the people I wasn't going to buy merch from. Yuka Sakazaki had a Hello Kitty disposable camera, which was just some fantastic living up to stereotypes. Uh, yeah. Maki, yeah, Maki Ito was clearly making mad money from uh, from merch uh, because she had this gigantic pile of cash behind her. She hadn't bought anything like a bum bag or anything like that to keep it in. So there was just like 300 quid in like loose notes <laughs> just piled up like garbage. And um, it was really funny. And also uh, our pal uh, Linky uh, threatened to kick a guy's cunt in for queue jumping. <laughs> so that was, uh, he was, uh, oh. he, he looked like he was going to square up to her at some point. And I really wish he had because she'd have absolutely battered him. That's the thing. The really it funny was... thing is she'd have fucking murdered him and it would have been great. Yeah, yeah, he was like this. He was sort of this weedy little guy who looked a bit like Chris Charlton, and um, and yeah, basically he just went to the went to the front of the queue, and then uh, Linky called Linky said, "Oi, wee man!" And you know, like when it's Linky's it's like, like four, eleven or something. Yeah, I know, but like it's the it's the it's the it's the Scottish equivalent of like if they call you pal, Aye. you know, you fucked up. Aye. So it's basically the equivalent of like wee man is the next most insulting thing a Scottish person can call you. I know the, the <laughs> thing I love is that. Um, it doesn't like if, if I, I love the fact that when me or, or Linky or even like Jackson or whatever, if we are down in London, for example, and we're at a show or something, 
and someone causes hassle and we, we speak back in the Glaswegian accent, every time it will be read as the the uh, I'm you you know I'm very weedy for the listeners I'm I'm not I'm not I'm very rakish I'm I'm a, a, a very weedy figure however I can guarantee you if I'm in London and somebody says anything they talk back in an aggressive manner they'll be like he doesn't look like he could beat me up but he is Glaswegian and probably mental so he will <laughs> beat me up like because it's like Pete Burns you know Pete Burns uh, from Dead Alive. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he used to um, intentionally go to places dressed up, or like pubs in Liverpool dressed up in full gear, because Robbie Brookside used to drink with him, and he used to go. Oh, uh, did he? That's incredible. And he was telling like, Pete Burns used to go to all these places, and he would just like bump into people and like start shit, and you'd be like, Pff. and he'd like see him as cross dress and like, well, this guy, I can beat the hell, and he would just honestly just he loved, he was like fit Finley, he loved to fight. Every night you go out in the pub cross-dressing and just fucking tank people. Make it easy, the hardest think, man in Liverpool. I think probably you'd have to be if you dressed like Pete Burns well, at that time with exactly. the sort of rampant homophobia that was going on. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, um, but no, it's, it's always a handy tactic to know that if you've got a Glaswegian accent, people can't read you. <laughs> yeah, it's it. kind of like that's what you get to compensate for like not being big. Like I've got a friend, uh, I had a friend at uni who was really good at breaking up stupid uh, fights in Freshers' Week, like when he was on nights out, because uh, he's a, a six-foot-four big rugby lad. And, like, he looks hard. He's not, but he looks hard. So, like, <laughs> if he tells you to break, break it up and go on your separate ways, like, you'd fucking obey him. It's mental. I knew her half my life ago, literally, and then didn't speak to her for, like, ten years, and then just suddenly, she, oh, she's into wrestling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we know multiple people who, like, were sort of, knew each other a while ago and just got brought back together I mean, via our Facebook da- I mean Daniel I'm fairly certain me and Daniel went to and me, Daniel and Jackson would have went to the same gigs all the time and never knew each other for years oh I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure you I'm yeah. sure you did um, yeah. it's, just, it's just quite bad but yeah so uh, moving on from Wrestle Queen now I have something else that I want to talk about with... is it a wrestling non-binary uh, sovereignty uh, <laughs> no it is not it, so basically it's kind of germane to our discussion because uh, we are talking about New Japan earlier in the episodes it being the Wrestle Kingdom special the very belated one um, the film My Dad is a Heel Wrestler I was lucky enough to go and see in Sheffield at the uh, Japan Foundation film series where they're showing a lot of um, Japanese films over the course of a couple of months at various locations around the UK Sheffield just happened to be my closest one and um, so uh, for the un- uninitiated My Dad is a Heel Wrestler is a film Starring as the uh, aforementioned dad, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and se- seemingly every member of the New Japan roster as well. Um, so uh, going in, I I wasn't really expecting much, just because like, okay, it's um, re- films produced by wrestling companies and with large involvement of wrestling companies uh, tend to not have a great track record. I'm thinking in particular of Ready to Rumble, for instance. Hush your mouth, George. <laughs> I will have no one speak ill of Ready to Rumble. It's, it's... <laughs> speak ill of Jimmy King. All <laughs> <laughs> hail Jimmy King. Um, actually, I will say, I think I think my dad is a heel wrestler is coming to Glasgow as well. And, um, oh, you should, you should definitely go see it. Yeah, 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 um, yeah go see it. It's... it's uh, like like I say, I wasn't expecting much from it, but like it was tremendously good fun. Um, it was a I'm I'm as surprised as you are that the the good people at Bushi Road and the New Japan roster managed to pull off a genuinely accomplished heartwarming family comedy, but uh, they did manage to do it. And there was uh, there was two things I really liked about the film. 
uh, above all, which was firstly uh, because the film was told uh, sort of through the eyes of uh, Tanaji's character's kid. Um, it never it never definitively suggests that wrestling is or isn't real. Um, it it leaves that uh, ambiguous, but like all of the events that happen in the film are completely explicable, regardless of which one you take as true. And I thought that was really cleverly done and a sort of very difficult balancing act to accomplish. And um, mm-hmm. the other thing was, I think it would have been very easy to basically do this film to promote New Japan Pro Wrestling and to make it look like, oh yeah, this this thing's really cool. You should all definitely come and buy put down those entertaining Mattel products. And uh, <laughs> you know, you know, that that sort of that sort of thing. Yeah. And uh, and actually they, they they didn't do that. I mean all the wrestling scenes were filmed at uh Differariake, RIP, which isn't a huge arena. It's like maybe fifteen hundred capacity. And um there was there's a scene where there's a magazine and there's this uh character who is the big wrestling fan but like no one else in the in the magazine gives the slightest shit about pro wrestling um she the, the character is like the the one of these great movie tropes where it's the like the respectable uh n- nerdy woman who hasn't been on a date in 10 years but who is played by someone who is clearly absolutely stunning is this like it's the, the mark promote um meg ryan as a helicopter pilot thing really you just don't, <laughs> yes. you just utterly don't believe it you just like really badly miscast yeah 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 exa- exactly um and uh, there, was, there was some good stuff um uh, Akada played uh, the champion of the company as you would uh, expect who, um, who wrote this film gado <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm staggered Gato wasn't in it like I felt for sure that he would be um, he, he, has he been in films before I remember there was a spate of like weird pudo people with Masatrona and all that turning up like Takeshi Kitano films has Gato been in a film that we know of no I don't think so I mean the most recent ones uh, I remember a few years ago I think in quick succession saw the Eco Oase film Headshot which had Haruki Goto in it and uh, Yoshihiro Takeyama played a jailer in the Martin Scorsese film Silence so that was uh, that was something that was uh, very out there. Um, but yeah, yeah. So uh, Akada is the champion. Um, uh, Naito makes a brief cameo, which is classic Naito. He like does the least work and got the biggest pop from the audience. <laughs> Did he wear a t-shirt? <laughs> um, I think he was wearing a t-shirt. Yes. Uh, his only his only word was tranquillo. Uh, that was very good. Uh, the top gaijin in the company is played by Trent Beretta, which is really funny. <laughs> Um, Again, uh, Meg character... Ryan is a helicopter pilot. <laughs> <laughs> the character's name is Joel Hardy. I wonder how many seconds it took them to come up with that one. <laughs> and um, Toki Makabe plays a character called Sweet Gorilla Mariyama. Amazing. Um, that's Chris that's that's uh, that's really Mac good. The, the Gary also... Lineker of Japanese wrestling. Yeah, yeah, he really is. Um, and there's also a uh, there's a scene at the start where. Um, basically Tanahashi's kid follows him. I don't want to give away too much in case people want to see the film, but Tanahashi's kid realises when they do a thing at school where all the kids are talking about what their dad does for a living and he realises he doesn't know, so he follows his dad to... Because one of the kids says, maybe he's in the mafia. And so he follows uh, Tanahashi's character to the, the dojo and sees him, like, exchanging money with Tomoyuki Oka and Katsuya Kitamura. And then he gets really scared because it just looks like a dodgy business deal. I, I love the fact that it's like, OK, we need some wrestlers who could realistically make a kid think that they are members of the Yakuza. Get me the roidiest young lions you can find. 
Where is Zeus? Where is the bodyguard? <laughs> Uh, Zeus or Z Gangster as he was later known um, and uh, yeah it was uh, quite it was quite quite something uh, I also loved the, the plot being like Tanahashi used to be a high flying baby face and then he got a knee injury and couldn't do any of his high flying stuff so um, he 75% a... true oh actually it's yeah. 100% <laughs> true he can't do the moves yet he still does them yeah I know and he shouldn't but he does, and he's still great somehow. But uh, his character, so he became a uh, cowardly masked heel called Cockroach Mask. They had a New Japan match, didn't they, with Cockroach Mask? Did they? They did, yeah. They had, like, I think they had two. It was like Tanahashi and Okada. I think it's the first time they ever teamed up was, like, as Cockroach Mask. And oh, that's weird. Against, it was against Sweet Gorilla Mariana. Yeah, this, this is, it's on World. I remember this. It was like last year or something like oh, that. Oh, I need, I need to watch this. Is it going to be better than uh, Tiger Mask W versus whatever the fuck Juice Robinson was pretending to be? Was that Juice Robinson? But, but you, what, what's Juice Robinson pretending to be now? I know, I know. I don't, um, let's not, let's not, we've already spoke about it various times in this episode. Yeah, I would say we've, we've gone, 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 already far exceeded our allotted Juice Robinson time. Um, and uh, Taguchi was uh, Tanashi's tag team partner as Blue Bottle Mask, and uh, Taguchi has like quite a prominent role in the film. And... I mean, insofar as I can tell, it seemed like Tanahashi did a did a very good job acting. And, uh, I mean, he looks the part, obviously, and he can do all the wrestling scenes. Um, in the same way that, apart from the main guy who was playing Ricky Dozan in the Ricky Dozan film, it had various luminaries of early 2000s Puro playing all the wrestling roles, like uh, Junaki Yama's in it, Shin Hashimoto, Mohamed Yone, etc. Maybe luminary is too strong a word to describe Mohamed Yone, but you get what yes. I mean. Um, so yeah, that's uh, my dad as a heel wrestler. I would uh, absolutely recommend checking it out, and I would actually recommend it even to people who aren't wrestling fans. I guess I'm not speaking to many of those right now because if you're not a wrestling fan, I mean, I'm glad you're listening, but why? Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, so that it was uh, really good. So we do the we do the plugs then. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So if you would like to follow us on social media, you can go to at Poa Podcast on Twitter. We're not on Instagram, we're not on Snapchat, we're not on Bebo or any of this other shit. Um, you get the raw, unfiltered shit posting straight from the horses' mouths on Twitter. That's at Poa Podcast. You can also uh, subscribe to our feed on iTunes and on uh, SoundCloud. Uh, SoundCloud, just you search the Poa Poa Podcast. Um, even if you're not from Nebraska, we're very happy for you to uh, come and listen to our shit. Um, and... Uh, uh, and as, as far as plugs for myself personally go, uh, you can go to Amazon.co.uk or Amazon in, I don't have the full list of countries, but it's on sale in maybe about a dozen. And you can go and buy The Rise and Fall of Rikidozan, which is a novel written by myself, which I started way back in fucking 2015. I started it and finished it last year. It was uh, quite the undertaking, but basically what it is is a novel about Rikidozan, who was the father of Japanese wrestling, and it's basically all about my protagonist who becomes drawn into that world and realises that his idol might not necessarily be the sort of person you should look up to. And so it's got a lot of things to... Uh, it's got a lot of things to say about uh, hero worship, but also about uh, the post-war Japanese society of which wrestling was such a big part, sort of the dynamics of Im- Im- imperialism and occupation, and, uh, you know, all, uh, quite a lot of topics which are still, sadly, quite relevant now. Um, and also, you'll get to learn more about uh, not just Rick Dozan, but the uh, American wrestlers that he 
face at the time. People like the Sharp Brothers, I know they're actually Canadian, uh, Freddie Blassie, the Destroyer, Lou Thez, you know, loads of stuff about those wrestlers. So I think it will probably uh, educate you around about the time as well, uh, not just in terms of history, but also in terms of wrestling, as well as uh, entertaining. I've got quite a lot of uh, five-star reviews about it uh, on Amazon, uh, some of which aren't from close uh, personal friends or family members. Um, people, people, people seem to like it, and also if you're worried that it might be a bit dense, everyone who's read it has commented on its readability as well. So it's uh, although it looks quite big and intimidating, it's actually one you can get through pretty easy. So um, yeah, 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 absolutely. If you want to check it out, that's the rise and fall of Ricky Dozan. David, what about yourself? Um, uh, uh, my other Twitter account is. Um, at OTIG tweets. Um, I do actually have an Instagram as Viano14. Um, you can follow me in there. I post reviews of chips. What do you? What do you I was going to say. What do you post on Instagram? It's usually pictures. Um, I, I, from time to time, I post reviews of chips in a in a segment I like to call Battle Chips. Uh, <laughs> Excellent. What 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 connects your grand KFC and the Indian down the road? They all make chips. But who makes the best chips? It's your gran, actually. Your gran makes the best chips. That's the rule. Um, but yeah, uh, spoilers. Um, but yeah, so do that. Uh, fastbox.bandcamp.com And yeah. Um, oh, I'd just like to give a big shout out to the Omaha Mavericks. Omaha Mavericks FC. They're by far the greatest team the hockey world has seen. Okay, good. Another <laughs> sport I didn't know you were into. Um, but... I'm not. I just googled it. <laughs> For fuck's sake! <laughs> Excellent. Um, maybe we can start reviewing ice hockey games on your Instagram or uh, whatever. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! Okay, well we. I've seen them get. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, we've, we've rambled on for far too long, as is uh, generally the case on these episodes. So thank you very much for tuning in to the Puri Puri podcast. Uh, not quite sure in what order we're going to be putting out these episodes yet, but um, if you've already listened to the Bitrest episode, hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you haven't, then you've got a whole lot of uh, goose and gaffes still to come. Um, so thank you very much. I've been George Thompson. Uh, David has uh, been also here. And uh, Daniel. Uh, Hello, everybody. Um, and uh, yes, thank you very much. It's a bumbling end, even by my fucking standards. Okay, that was it. Pro Pro Podcast. Bye.
I can't and... read. I can't write. That don't really matter. I'm an Isla fan and I'm a fucking wanker. 